Well, hello there. Welcome to the Brace Yourself podcast. My name is Harley, last name admitted, and I am here with my co-host Ian, last name also admitted. For now, uh, for safety purposes, of course, because we're such big podcast celebrities already, uh, this is a safe space for us to talk about our love, our mutual love of football, but not our mutual love of the same team in a safe space during the quarantine. So, I feel like you're already trying to start a fight, mate. Well, why, can't, why can't we just be mutual lovers of football? You know, you know that, that, that's, that's the way it is. That's just Stoking the way the it fires is. Already. Some things will never change. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, we're all bored in quarantine. We love chatting the, the shit about football. Sorry, this is going to be a mature-rated podcast. We will swear. It's, it's not going to be family-friendly and rarely, rarely is football nowadays, especially when we can hear everything the player's saying on the pitch because there's no fans. So, yeah, basically, we're going to be doing a weekly podcast talking about what's happened in football, uh, what we think is going to happen uh, in the coming weekend in regards to transfers until the transfer window closes, um, stuff outside of football as well, the culture of football, um, stuff going on in the media, um, but yeah, just our love of the game in general, um, and as the season progresses, I'm sure the podcast will evolve to have certain elements and stuff, but yeah, that, that's where we're at the moment, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, I'm sure if uh, the football season gets cancelled, as it seems like we're on the way to, uh, we, yeah. we'll figure something else out. We'll, we'll start <laughs> talking about FIFA. We'll have to do a football manager, you know. Mate. There we go, yeah. We'll have to, you can only play one game a weekend, though, mate. You've got to really pace it out. <laughs> oh, the whole week, the whole week is training. <laughs> well, hang on. Sometimes we get three games a week in the Premier League now. You know, you never know. Well, not in the yeah. Premier League, but well, we don't know. I don't know what the schedule is going to be like for the new season at the moment. I've I've looked at the um, sort of initial uh, lineup dates, but obviously we've we've got a slightly fragmented start to the new season because City and United have a delayed first game due to their involvement in Europa and Champions League, respectively. So, you know, how that's going to have a rolling impact, we don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to see some uh, pauses and some real crushes. Like, you know, if a team loses five players to COVID or whatever and they can't go out on the pitch, you've got to change that date. You can't be giving away points. It's just not fair. So. I know. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, we can see the impact on COVID on football already. Look at it. Uh, Pogba's um, had COVID or has COVID. Uh, Tangai Mdombele from Tottenham has uh, COVID. Um, yeah. Kylian Mbappe's just been confirmed to have COVID. So obviously there's an outbreak on the the French national duty or the the French training at least. So, you know, that's going to have a rolling impact. When you're losing your star players, you know, teams are going to feel hard done by. But then I guess the counter argument to that is that players get injured. But if it's 11 players players get injured, that's slightly different. Well, I I guess what I was saying is, you know, not if their star player gets knocked out. It's more of, you know, if that feels like it's the full team might be in jeopardy or whatever that's when you got to pull the game you can't be going you know oh one player's got it it's all safe you gotta think of players safety first and i think we'll probably get onto this at some point but that's been something that's massively been lacking in football is player safety you know the amount oh, yeah. of head injuries we see and other injuries of all kinds is quite worrying so hopefully this is a wake-up call as it has been for many to start taking these things seriously and hopefully the premier league will start implementing those ideas Fingers crossed, although the, the pessimist in me will always think that money will trump uh, player safety. 100%. And I, you know what? We've already fallen at the first hurdle here, Harley. We've just jumped straight into football training. I know. Really let's, let's, yeah, let's take yeah. it back. Let's take it back. Let's, so let's we, it back we, we do bit. have talking points in front of us and we want to talk about each thing. I'm the tangent man. Ian's the structure man. So <laughs> well, that's we, the... We, 
that's the way it's going to work. I'll get lost down the well, and then he'll throw the rope down. So like, get the hell out of there. We got to talk about the next thing. It, um, it just goes to prove the amount of passion that we're going to try and provide here. We we just ignored any interest you had in us, which you probably don't at this point. <laughs> but um, we just went straight to the football chatter. But like, yeah, let's pull it back a little bit and get going, man. Okay, cool. Right. So uh, the first thing we talk about is uh, not necessarily who we are, but why we love football so much. I mean, listen, you, you're not going to care very much about a chubby uh, white sounding middle class, but working class male. Uh, nothing extraordinary about me. But, you know, I think each person has an individual resonance and uh, anecdote or story that really compelled them into football. And ironically, almost, I am someone who hated football until I was about the age of 10. Um, I despised it, wouldn't play it. Uh, you know, obviously I fed into the cycle of being this uh, yeah, chunky video game playing, uh, not not introvert, because I've always been relatively extrovert, but isolationist, I guess, sometimes. And, you know, I enjoy my own company as much as none. But I guess the real uh, reason I love football so much is because of my mother and, and my father. It, it, there's two parts to that equation. One is my mother is England mad. So she would force me to watch England games, even if I didn't want to. And now I beg, and now I condemn her for ever making me watch them because now I have to watch dreadful performances like the other night against Denmark and Iceland. But hey, yeah, let's not do that bit yet. Let's, <laughs> let's leave that. Uh, the, the other conversation is uh, I, ne I never knew my father growing up, sadly, but all I knew that he was a Manchester United fan. Now, this is an, uh, another turning point where everyone's going to go, <laughs> swerve. Oh. A coastal Man United fan, you absolute scumbag. No, no, but you got, um, you got to, I don't know if you want to go into details on it, but you've got to tell the story because it's always my favourite is when people pull you up. As you yeah. Mean, I mean, and they're like, oh, glory hunter, glory hunter, because we're off that age. You're off the age where they were the team. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's, it's given to you, but every time you just hit them with that line and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of uh, schadenfreude, as the Germans would say, in, in a sense of, you know, a lot of people are glory hunters. I've met plenty of United fans who are glory hunters. I've met plenty of Liverpool fans who are glory hunters, Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans. It all happens. Or, you know, maybe you should support your local team. Like my local team should be Portsmouth, theoretically. Uh, and I do have a soft, uh, a soft spot for them. But, you know, United, is, my father supported United. I made that decision to have a connection with him. So when people call me a glory hunter and I actually have to go, oh, listen, sorry. The reason I actually support United is because uh, my, my father passed away and that's why I support United. The look on people's faces of, of panic because they don't know what to say or do. Well, I do enjoy think, it a little bit. But you know you've got a real idiot on there on your hands where they go, well, that doesn't matter. And you're oh, like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you get the people that do that. Sometimes it happens and, and <laughs> you know, you, you just got to laugh at them because what, what can you do? Uh, and and it's, that's not me playing the sympathy card. That's just the truth. And, and, and that's my individual story. But, you know, uh, my mum always said to me one time, I, she knew that I would always eventually love football because when I was very young, I think I was watching, it was definitely Brazil were playing. I can't remember who they were playing in. I think it was the 98 World Cup. I think it was. And um, I turned around to her and apparently said, I think I do like football, actually. I think that, and that's all. And I sat there and I watched the whole game for 90 minutes, not really knowing anything. And it wasn't like the 02 World Cup. I remember that was my maybe jumping on point with the likes of uh, the classic Ronaldo. No, it definitely wasn't then because oh, I, I don't know. That's, that feels too late. That feels, I don't okay. think I was okay. 10. I know I said I hated it until 10, but <laughs> I was quite young when I said this. And I think it was the, the, the colours and the, the ball person back and forth and the fans right, yeah, and everything. Yeah. And I just I remember having a very simplistic uh, perception of what the game was. 
Well, I think, I think, you know, much like yourself, the branch doesn't fall too far from the tree. I picked my dad's team, my sort of family team. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're going to lose probably more fans than you saying Man United. I'm a, I'm a Spurs fan. So, yeah. Well, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go on, go on. I, I, was, I, was, I was polite about your team. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Look, you're already trying to start the fight. No. Um, much like yourself, I didn't like watching the sport, but I loved playing it. Like, my dad played for a Sunday league team. He got me playing as a kid. My, brother, my older brother played, and it was like, yeah, let me be like them. And I played it any chance I could. And they, like you, they would force me to watch the England games, and I'd be like, 20 minutes in, like, can we go play football now? And he's like, this is the most intense game. I'm like, no, can we go play football? Like, that's what they're doing. Can we just... So I was very uh, sort of ignorant in that fact. And, you know, and I think we come from a generation where you couldn't go to school and not have a team mm, like you just mm. had to say a team of course i think for a long period i actually used to say liverpool because it was just oh. like a, i know but i like it was stevie g michael owen robbie no. Fowler, all that kind of stuff and i was like you know what let me just say that and it, it kept it quiet because they weren't like a big team really um but yeah well, then, then not back then they should i have know been. exactly <laughs> Uh, but yeah, then then the sort of football playing side sort of drifted off as you know you grow up and it becomes less interesting. Um, yeah, and then I came to my senses and realised, you know what, I didn't really care about Liverpool. I had no interest in them. Um, and yes, yeah, Spurs was the family team. Only I really should be an Arsenal fan, which is completely controversial. I mean, I grew up in South London. Should be an Arsenal fan. My uh, my granddad was asked to play for Arsenal at one point in his career. Oh god! So I don't truly should be an Arsenal fan, but my my family bucked the trend and picked Spurs for better or worse. I can't really comment. I mean, after this season, maybe it was for worse. But Arsenal didn't have the best season either. But yeah, no, yeah. Me in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, it's just it was the love of the game. I think that's where it begins, isn't it? Whatever way you get to it, there's something about the game that's so much fun. Whether you're enjoying the fans, whether you just enjoy playing it, or like like yourself, it's that family connection of time to sit down with your mom or your dad or whatever and like just have them yell at the screen like you've never seen them they become different people and it's uh, hilarious to watch i completely agree and I, and I think in particular football has this magic about it that some sports don't have and i'm a big like i'm not i'm not like a football purist in the sense of that football is the one and only sport in the world i, I love tennis um I don't mind rugby. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge American sport lover, but yeah, I understand why people enjoy them. Uh, you know, but football football is where my heart is, and I think there's a reason it's the national pastime. I think obviously because it's so accessible to every walk of life, not just certain walks of life, um, and it is allowed a lot of opportunity. I know footballers get a lot of stick for being overpaid and stuff, but you've got to remember most of those guys are working class lads from really rough estates that have bettered themselves and then oh, no, I think that's why it's the everyman sport because i think it's, everyone feels a resonance with those players it's definitely a little bit of our version of the quote-unquote american dream you know the mm. rags to riches kind of story oh yeah but i remember i remember as a kid like the joy i had from football was the fact that i was legally allowed to just clatter a kid and knock him to the ground with no repercussion other than maybe a yellow or an occasional red but you could just hit one another and everyone was cool with it and uh, it was, like, yeah, it was yeah. that chance just to be aggressive a little bit and, and definitely Get some of that testosterone out of your system. Exactly. Then. But then uh, I think that's when I lost the love of it, uh, actually playing. It was when everyone began to finesse with the skills, and I was just like, oh, I'm just yeah. going to chop your legs, mate. <laughs> I haven't got any time for this. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, look, if, if you could see me, if this wasn't a podcast, if I said, oh, yeah, I used to love playing football when I was growing up, there was you would not believe me, trust me. You know, it, I was never a player. I've, I've, I've never been a participator. I've always been a spectator. It's as simple as that, you know. But 
the love I, I religiously watch the Premier League. I religiously watch Man United. I think I only missed maybe two of their games last season. Um, my partner, she's just accepted it. It's 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 uh, a fixed part of our dynamic. There's three people in this relationship. It's me, her, and Manchester United. Yeah, you know, there was definitely a, a, a contract that needed to be signed. Oh, there was. You know, know I, she tried to send me out. She tried to send United out on loan. I was like, look, I'm not having it. <laughs> at the end of the day, came yes. through the academy. This is where we're at. So um, two-man, one-woman situation for you right now. Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> um, but for the rest of the podcast, I think what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about, we're going to go through the transfer window. Uh, we're going to talk about how we think each team's done so far. And we're going to talk about impending potential deals because Man City are waiting on a deal. Arsenal are waiting on a deal. Manchester United are waiting on a deal. And then we're going to give our season predictions, obviously with the caveat that we can only predict with what players have signed at the moment. You know, I can't guarantee that Koulibaly is going to go to City, Partey's going to go to Arsenal, mm. Sanchez is going to go to United. So I've done my predictions based on what we know so far and what the signings have been at this point. Indeed, I think it's, this is a great part to just make this point is, as you can probably tell, Harley knows his stuff. He's, he's the educated one in this situation. I know football, I know football, don't get me wrong. Like I know bits and pieces, but I don't know everything. I just love it. I love watching and I don't retain the information as well as Harley. Like he's a absolute diehard through and through. Like I'll catch the occasional game of Spurs. I just enjoy it. So hopefully that should give us a nice balance. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which is, which is, which the is yeah. And I don't want to say casual, but the... Um... The I don't know, what's, anchor. What's well, no, you know, just just the the normie. I hate to say the normie, <laughs> but like the the appropriate amount of football in someone's life is probably yeah, you, and I the think... inappropriate amount is probably me. <laughs> that's that's the reality. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you've now made you the negative and me the positive. Oh, I appreciate uh, listen, that. I never said it was negative. You know, I'm sitting here and people can't see it, and I've still made the effort to put the United shirt on. That 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 <laughs> yeah, that's I where know. we're at. Uh, but uh, just uh, just as one final caveat before we start talking about transfers uh, and season predictions and other things we want to talk about on the outside of football, I, I want to say now very clearly, I am not a biased football fan. I will give credit where credit is due. Liverpool are a fantastic team as much as I might despise them. They are. City are. Even Spurs, I was going to say before you did a little thing, is I actually quite enjoy Spurs as a neutral. You know, and uh, well, let me let me reiterate. I enjoyed them when they were on the Pochettino as neutral. I hate Mourinho football, so I don't. Hey, enjoy we'll them get into that. We'll get into that. Let's let's, but, let's ease off on you know. But I do yeah, I do want to point in. I do want to point out how much uh, pain was in your voice when you had to say Man City. So he's not that impartial. I just like to say, like he is impartial, given that when it comes to City, he is a Man United fan through and through. That's all I need to say on that point. Similarly with me with Arsenal, but I'll do my best. Right, okay. So in regards to transfers, do you want to go through them uh, or do you want me to go through them and we can sort of talk about them? You, you, you go through them, mate. You've got, them, uh, you've got them all in your head. You know what's looking good and I'm kind of just going to piecemeal in there with my kind of thoughts and a few things. Okay, right. So we, we, we won't go through every deal like Ian and I discussed before we start the podcast. I'll go through the significant transfers effectively. Um, so, and we will go alphabetically just because it's the easiest way to do it. So Ian's beloved club Arsenal is the first team out of the gate. Um, just set myself up for that one, didn't I? I'm not going to try and pronounce Gabriel's last name because I have no idea how to pronounce it. But basically, Brazilian centre-back uh, Gabriel has joined Arsenal for £27 million. It's about €32 million Euros from Lille. Um, I think he's about 22 years old. He's quite young. I can't really talk too much about him in terms of ability, but it seems like a good piece of business. 
they further strengthened that by another French league centre-back, which is William Salabia uh, or Saliba from St. Etienne for the same price. So, you know, I think one of Arsenal's weaknesses last season was their defensive line was a little bit shaky and they've looked to have um, strengthened that. The biggest, I think the most controversial... Oh, yeah, the most... Sorry, William, wasn't he, isn't he coming from Chelsea? Yeah, but this, no, this is, uh, that was William Salaba. I'm talking about uh, William. I was about to say the most controversial signing so far yeah, no, is a direct rival is, is William on a free from Chelsea. Um, See, that's the one that's actually got me interested about what Arsenal have been doing. I mean, I don't know how that's happened. Yeah, that's an interesting one for me. I think William's definitely a strong player. And he'll definitely add something to the side. And he fits in like he feels like an Arsenal player. I don't know how they pulled that one off. What I would say is Chelsea have played William Rose recently and, and historically now as, as a right winger. And obviously they spent £75 million on Nicolas Pepe last season. So I don't really know why. Maybe it was just a good deal when he was winding down his contract and he, he couldn't be bothered like moving to another country at maybe like 31 years old, 32, whatever he is. And, and then restarting, maybe he's like, listen, I'll just go to another London club. Um Obviously, going from Chelsea to Arsenal is a bit like, ooh, you know, it's not like it's not like Tottenham to Chelsea or anything like that, like the whole Mourinho thing. But it still is, you know, a, a London rival. So that's an interesting one. There's two ways to look at it. One, Arteta has a very uh, appealing project to some players, which I find difficult because they finished eighth, but they did win the FA Cup, so never say never. Uh, or two, you know, it's as simple as he just wanted something new and he, and he didn't want to go too far. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I, I definitely think he fits within that Arsenal remit of kind of just attack. Like, they're always very thinking about their forwards and their midfield. They love pushing out the field, don't they? As, as the classic line goes, you know, they oh, love yeah. walking it in. They do love walking um, it in. And he, but the thing is, William doesn't walk it in. He can fucking no. smash it top bins from, from 35 yards out. So so maybe, the, maybe that's what they're trying to mix it up with. Or maybe they're just hoping he sort of just gets a ricochet in the box there and someone puts it in for him. I don't know if he'll be starting every week. I think he's a good rotation and good depth for, for mm. Pepe. If Pepe's not playing well, obviously they can rotate William in. Um, you know, obviously they've got Lac their attacking line is now uh, Lacazette, Aubameyang, William, and Pepe. That's a very good attacking line. I will say it. It, it is, is a good, good attacking good. line. Uh, Lacazette didn't look, quite look like the heights he'd reached last season, sad, or the season prior to this one, um, last season. But, you know, it might just be uh, Emery couldn't figure out a way to get into the squad. And unfortunately, obviously, we don't know who an Arteta player is. You know, mm. when, when Arteta took the job, he didn't have the, the opportunity to go, right, well, I don't rate you, I don't rate you, I don't rate you, see you later. He's like, I've got to make it to the end of the season. Then we can have a look and think, right, well, actually, I think Aubameyang should go in the middle. I think William should go on the left. And I think Pepe should go on the right. And bye-bye, Lacazette. We don't know. So it, that that's as much as we can comment on that. There's a couple of other... Um, signings they've made. I think, to be honest, I, I'm going to prefix that by saying I think Arsenal have had a pretty good transfer window so far. Um, they've got uh, Cedric Suarez from Southampton, who's, who was initially loaned and is now joined. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got Danny Ceballos from Real Madrid, who, again, is only being loaned because Real Madrid don't want to lose him. Again, I think that's an interesting point on Arsenal's transfer window so far is the amount of, sort of loans mm. that they've gone for. They're definitely, like you were just saying, they're trying to figure the team out. So whatever... They're trying to put together definitely tiptoeing around it so i definitely think when the sort of winter transfer window rolls around we'll see some interesting stuff come out of that once they 
decide what their team format's going to be. I mean, at the moment, we don't even know whether winter transfer window is going to fall. True. That that's another issue, isn't it? it? Might be the spring transfer window for the first time ever. <laughs> so, um, the only other significant out at uh, well, the only significant out in my opinion at Arsenal is Henrik Mkhitaryan to Roma, confirmed, gone. No longer on loan, has gone. Um, seems like the right move for him in his career. Didn't seem like it was working out at Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, the Premier League is a tough place. He obviously he did well for us at United, and I've always rated Mkhitaryan. And switching him for Sanchez was categorically a mistake however he's moved to Roma seems like a good fit Roma looks like an exciting project with their new ownership so you know the roundup of Arsenal transfer window is two exciting looking young centre-backs relative uh, always unproven in Premier League it's hard to come to the Premier League I'm sure they some people adapt straight away go some people don't so they brought in two unproven one uh, and three proven good business to me two risks you know uh, out of those, I would have taken Gabriel at United. So that tells me I wouldn't have taken William just because <laughs> United are trying to do a, a young project, that's all. Yeah. So we move on to Aston Villa, who it was announced today, so this list isn't up to date, have just broken their record transfer free for Ollie Watkins from Brentford. Um, yeah, I just which is, see that there, he's just gone for 33, hasn't he? Which is the striker, uh, uh, which is the, the clinical striker from last season in the Championship. Looks like a good piece of business. Unfortunately, with the way that um, uh, the money has, has gone in football post-Neymar, you know, unfortunately, Premier League teams are having to look down the pyramid to mm. find talent. And he looks like a very exciting talent. They need... One thing, when I think about Villa last year, they needed a striker. The, who did they have? They had Wesley and um, uh, someone else up top. The, none of them cut the mustard. Grealish was the star player last season. He gets him out. Oh, Trezeguet. But Trezeguet's good. Yeah. Trezeguet was, could be good when he wanted to be. But Villa need an out-and-out goal scorer. I remember when Gabriel Bonglahor was at uh, Villa and he, you know, he wasn't, um, he wasn't like the best striker in the world, but he got goals because he was so yeah. fast and he was so lethal, you know? So, and Villa used to be a big producer of, of, of quality players. Look at, well, it pains me to say James Milner, but he is a Villa alumni. But, I mean, um, it, 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 Villa used to be one of those thorn-in-the-side sort of teams, and they've kind of lost that. And I think Watkins would definitely give them a bit of edge, um, especially with the transfers they're bringing in on top of him. I think they're trying to, you know, much like, again, they're just trying to figure out a new way to go forwards. I think, we, like you just said, you know, we're looking down the pyramid now. We're trying to figure out new ways to make football work. I, I don't think we're going to have such a big deal with big names anymore. It's going to mm. be those youth players. It's going to be the odd choice who comes on in the second half, you know, and turns the game around. It's going to be, hopefully we're going to get back to tactics rather than give it to X, Y, Z, you put it in. You know, let's, let's see some interesting plays. I mean, these players, these teams aren't going to have star players. Obviously star player is a relative term. It depends Mm -hmm. on the ability of the squad, but there is, there isn't going to be a Ronaldo in every team. There isn't going to be a Zidane in every team. There isn't going to be a Messi in every team. it, It doesn't work that way. So, Going back to Villa, because obviously we don't want to take too long going through all the transfers. Uh, Matty Cash, again, looking down the pyramid, £16 million for the right back. Seems like good business to me. Seems like an area Villa need to strengthen their defensive line. Uh, I think Villa were hoping they were going to sell Jack Grealish this summer. And unfortunately, I think they've priced him out of the move and it's not going to happen. You know, the hot contenders to buy Grealish were Man United. They wanted, Man United wanted Jack Grealish, but Villa wanted £75 million for him. So United moved on. And we'll talk about who they moved on to elsewhere. But 
Villa yeah, look like they have very limited funds. I think this will be the majority of their business. Rumours are, this is only a rumour, it's not confirmed, that they have bought Sergio Romero off Manchester United for £8 million. The only stopping block is his wages, and they are looking to the alternative. They want um, Arsenal's uh, Emilio Martinez, their rotation goalkeeper, who just won the Community Shield and FA Cup with them, because uh, Bernard Leno's been out. Um, so that's another area that Villa are looking to improve because they've lost Pepe Reina, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an okay window. I think for a club their size, it's a good window at the end of the day. Ollie Watkins, I thought he was going to go to Brighton. That was my personal opinion. Yeah, they, they would have made sense. I mean, I'm just looking at their outs as well. They've gone with a lot of frees. Uh, no, I see, yeah, I see no significant outs there. They're just let, no, letting no. go of the deadwood. Uh, which is always a good way. Release, release, released. Uh, you know, uh, Kelsey Mooney on a free, James Chester on a free, and undisclosed is James Bree. Uh, but I think I think they've had a, a pretty good window. Um, speaking of good windows, let's look at what I think is potentially a bad window. Brighton's. Well, this 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 looks like a club that realised they had some money in their back pocket and said. Let's sort some stuff out because they brought in a fair few players. Obviously, the big one that you're about to mention. Uh, Adam Lallana. Yeah, that's interesting that it's a free as well. I would be interested to know how much he's being paid a week. Yeah. That, would be, that would be my concern at Brighton. I reckon he shatters their wage structure completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's past it, personally. I think he's a nice marquee signing where you can sort of trick the Brighton fans into think you're making an improvement, but you're actually just mm-hmm. uh, getting in a player who's past his peak. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's a billboard player. He's, he's nice won a, pre- he's won a Premier out. League. That's what yeah, they'll be it's... saying. We've got a Premier League winner in our team. <laughs> um, so I think the best bit of business I can see here is Joel Veltman from Ajax. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I think that's going to be the good one. Right. Uh, I think, cause... you know, cheap. Uh, won, he's won the Ed of Rizzi multiple times. Um, he's young. I think it's a good piece of business. Zach Emerson, that looks like a, uh, one for the future. Jensen Veer, one for the future. And last, Docker again, a free. Oh, oh, Brighton are very good at getting like uh, free businesses. The only significant out here, I will say, well, actually, there's two. It's Anthony Knockout from to going to Fulham, mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, is not a Premier League standard player, and that's why Brighton loaned him to Fulham in the Championship, and now he's back in the Premier, uh, back in the Premier League. So, good luck, Anthony. Um, Shane Duffy to Celtic on loan. So, obviously, I don't know how much you know, but uh, Leeds uh, were loaned Ben White from uh, Brighton last season, and he did very well in the championship. Leeds wanted right. to buy him, have made multiple bids for him. Brighton are like, no, we're keeping him. So, it's going to be him and Duncan at the back. Duncan at the back. Well, there's actually quite a few here, which I think are significant. Aaron Moy's gone to Shanghai. Yeah. Understand. End of his career. Going to go make bank. Fair play to you, Aaron. Good luck. <laughs> um Glenn Murray to Watford in the championship at 30, what's he, 37? He must be, he must be up there. Yeah, but Watford must have a reason. 36. He's going to be 37 this month. Look, Watford Watford needs someone who's championship proven. He is, obviously, his legs will be in question. I think he can still make an impact in the championship. I think they've had an okay window. I think, unfortunately, and you can see here with Jürgen uh, Locardia going on loan, that Brighton have a history of buying players that don't work out. Yeah. So when I look at that list of Joel Veltman, Alan Alana, Jensen Ver, Zach Emerson, and Lars Docker, I think 
okay, it's not that good of a window. I think that's a bad transfer window so far, but I understand the limitations of Brighton as a club. They have no money. Yeah, and I, it, to me, Brighton always, I don't know, maybe it's just history talking, but they always feel like a team that's trying to find their feet in the Premier League. The amount they yo-yo between the two leagues is quite surprising. And I think every time every season they're just trying to like oh is this going to work is that going to work and sometimes they pull it out of the bag and yeah they get a team together but I don't think this is the team looking at that I yeah, think the... there could be a strong argument that they could be relegated this season yeah and I think do you know what every season every single season people predict that Brighton will go down and they don't so they have got some mustard in them they have got some heart in them that keep this, keeps them in the Premier League and I respect it Again, I mean, like you said earlier, you know, you've got a soft spot for Pompey. I've got the same for Brighton. You know, they're, they're my local team as well. So I don't want to see them going down. I want to see them set up high. I mean, even though they are my local team, it goes against my mother's wishes, being a Palace <laughs> fan. Oh, God. Oh, yes. The infamous <laughs> rivalry between those two. That yeah. isn't really a rivalry <laughs> at all. But when they're like, oh, it's a derby day, I'm like, it's not. It's not. We just need to sell tickets. Um Right, okay, so let, let's move on. We'll, we'll briefly skim over, skim over Burnley because they haven't done much business. The only significant... Oh, they haven't had any significant. They bought Will Norris from, from Wolves. I don't know no very much. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was ins, right? Out. Joe Hart to Tottenham on a free. We'll touch on that one. We'll touch on that when we get to Spurs, <laughs> but okay, that's interesting business. Um, Jeff Hendrick to Newcastle. That He's, he's yeah. been a staple of Burnley for a while, so... That, that's pretty interesting. Aaron Lennon, ex-Tottenham. Yeah, further Spurs alumni. alumni cast yeah. into the, the abyss. Goodbye. Um, sad to see you go. I, I know, I loved him back in the day. I was a little fan of his. He was great. I didn't I didn't mind Aaron Lennon. Yeah. I thought he was an okay player. Um, I would say that Burnley, ha- I'm not going to call it a bad window because I, I think it's uh, it shows to me they have nothing to spend. That, yeah. that, that's That's what that would say to me. Um, and clubs like Burnley and stuff are going to really feel the weight of the pandemic more than other clubs. Um, Chelsea. This yeah, is exactly. the one I wanted to get to. <laughs> this is the one I want to talk is, about. I feel like you set that up nicely right chaos. now. This is inject what the fuck in money into my veins. This is crazy. Yeah. I like how we, we go from Burnley who clearly are lacking the funds and Chelsea who are like, sorry, is there a pandemic on? Forget about it and are splashing their cash. I know, it's mental. Right, so we'll, we'll start by talking about the outs, then we'll talk the ins, because there's a couple of right. interesting outs. So obviously, we know William's gone to Arsenal and our thoughts on that. We think it's good business for Arsenal and Chelsea. Probably could have kept him, but they've, they've made some good buys, so they don't need him, I understand. Um, now, Morata's already gone to Madrid on loan. However, the, 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 uh, the fee came in at 50 million. So, you know, for this, for them, great. They're already sitting on the hazard money. Keep that in mind when we get to the ins. (laughs) Pedro on a free to Roma. Understand. He's been a very good servant to Chelsea. He's been a game changer. He's been someone who came in, instantly adapted to the Premier League and made an impact. And when United were rumoured to him when he was coming to the Premier League, I would have wanted him. Good player. Been a good player for Chelsea. Wants to go and sit on Italian beaches and smash goals in for Roma. Rate it. Um, Now, ins. Well, I, sorry, just before we leave the outs, let's just have a look at this, right? Pretty much all of Chelsea outs are either loans or frees, other than Nathan from Atletico MG, who went for 2.7. So look, how much have they topped up their bank account with? Uh, well, 50 million, but you've got to remember that because of the transfer ban they had in place and the Hazard yeah. money, they sold Hazard just before the transfer ban, right? So they had 100 million yeah. on that. They sat on that. 
And then obviously this is, you could argue that you can take 100 million off what their net spend is and then say, listen, that's probably their, their transfer budget for the window, right? Well, yeah, they've certainly had fun with it. Let's just say that. So, well, I don't know why this is saying undisclosed. As far as I'm aware, Timo Werner has gone to Chelsea for 50 million euros which is about £44 million. Pounds. That was his yeah, release Yeah, it's also around £45 mil um, So that's a great bit of business. Young German international, very, very prolific at scoring goals that's in the Bundesliga. Dangerous. Chelsea buy. I, would, I would, would caveat that with Chelsea have a very, very long, sad history of ruining prolific strikers. So Shevchenko, uh, um, Fernando Torres, like, my God. Maratta, it, sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, but we'll go through these quickly instead of yeah. talking about in, each, each individually. So they've, they've bought Hakim Ziyech from Ajax for 36 million. Good piece of business. However, he's quite injury prone. That would be my only comment. Ben Chilwell for 45 million, it says here, but I believe it's actually somewhere about 55, 50 to 55. Oh, really? Million. Okay, okay. Um, left back. That's not bad. Very good going forward, lacking a little bit defensively, but a great attacking fullback. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and we'll get on to Leicester. Mangalan saw on a free from Nice is good. Youth talent. Hopefully, he can get into the first team. I think they've done quite well to bring in Thiago Silva, the you know the iconic German centre back on a free. But however, I will say he is thirty six years old. He is, but I think like we were saying earlier, that's a, that's a name buy, isn't it? Like we were saying with Lallana. Pick a name, get him involved. Who isn't going to buy that shirt? Oh yeah, of course. You know, I mean, look at that. Business. Look at the shirt options yeah for Chelsea fans they're going to be like well how many do I have to buy you know I mean J- JD JD are going to be annoyed like, JD no. are going to be annoyed they're going to be out of Z's and Y's and D's <laughs> within seconds they're going to hate us oh god I know and then With special so, characters Thiago Silva's come in I think that's more of an experience thing I help shore up the defensive line because uh, if you look at Chelsea's record last season uh, they actually lost, they finished fourth but they actually lost 12 games in the Premier League and that's quite high for a fourth place finish in terms of losses so I think they're looking to solidify that defence. Obviously, they've injected a, attack juice into their bloody veins mm-hmm. because their attack is going to be outrageous next season. Now, the big, big money move, the marquee signing, as we would call it, is obviously Kai Havertz. Um, £71 million, so that's about €80 million. Euros. Good bit of business, young German attacking mid. I was thinking, actually, before we did this podcast today or started doing the podcast that, um, there's quite a few amount of Germans in the in the Premier League, and now we've just got two very very good ones like that. You know, mm. I know obviously Leroy Sane left to go to Bayern Munich, um, which we'll touch on when we get to Man City. But yeah, wow, there is a lot of German talent in the and Premier League. Do you think there's any thinking behind that, or is it just you know? I don't <sighs> listen. I'm going to be completely honest. I think tr- the players that Chelsea have bought, and by the way, uh, at the recording of this podcast, it looks like they're going to sign a goalkeeper, Mendy, from a uh, French team. Uh, for 25 million and it looks like they potentially are going to sign Declan Rice from West Ham those are the other two targets that it looks like Chelsea are honing in on for yeah. eight I repeat eight first team signings which again I'll talk about more when we get to the season predictions and how I think that's a bit of a roll of the dice um, Kai Havertz very very good whenever I've seen him play very creative um, I think a lot of first team players in Chelsea right now are looking like they're going to get ousted I think that is, unfortunately, they're going to get benched. If Tammy Abraham thought he was going to be Chelsea's number uh, number nine, number 10, whatever, main man yeah, up it's top, over. it's over. It's not happening. Not with Werner in the team. No fucking chance, Tammy. Sorry, mate. Um, so I think 
look, on paper, they've had an excellent transfer window, probably the best, I would say. Yeah, it's right? definitely looking that way. We'll move on to Crystal Palace. There's no significant outs, in my opinion. A lot of just um, uh, dead, deadwood that's has been shifted. The only significant in for me is Erebici, Eze, or Eze. I wouldn't know how to say his last name. I think it's Eze or Eze. Uh, 20 million quid, again, looking down the pyramid, looking to strengthen their attack, because I think, unfortunately, Palace were quite solid defensively last season, but they weren't tremendously... Um, fluid on attacking basis. I yeah, think Wilfred Zaha had like his worst season in a Palace shirt. They definitely never struck that balance. I always remember, you know, Palace back in the day were either very attack heavy or they had their defence solid. You know, there was yeah, never that nice balance between going forwards and holding back and defending. So hopefully they can start building that because they've already, like you said, you know, they've got that solid defence and now maybe with an attacker like easy there, they can go forwards a lot better. But We'll wait and see, I guess. I will, I will say further on Palace that I think they've had an, an okay window. I think they're, again, another club that cannot really afford to spend very much. I mm. don't want to be too critical of them. Uh, I will say I do believe Wilfred Zaha wants to leave Crystal Palace this season. I think um, Palace, unfortunately, made it very hard for him last season by pricing him out of a move to Arsenal, saying they wanted £100 million for him, which is an absolute joke because he's not a £100 million player. Um, I think people will struggle to buy Wilfred Zaha at this moment, there has been rumblings that he might go to Dortmund if Sancho were to leave. There are rumblings that he might go to Arsenal if yeah. um, Palace would accept a, a, a minimal bid. So, but, but he's, we'll a good he's a good leverage player to have. You know, if you need to trade him out on a loan with someone. Listen, if if Palace are going to take thirty million for him, I think anyone should have a look at Wilfred Zaha because I think when his heart's in it, he's quite dangerous on the attack. However, sure. I would say he's not as clinical as he should be in front of goal. Now, here is another interesting beast. Everton, right? Yeah. Good business so far. I noticed they haven't got Decore on here, but they have signed uh, uh, Decore yeah. from Watford on my list mi- at least. Yeah, it went, it went for 20 million. They 20 million it. to Watford, yeah. uh, from Watford, sorry. Good business. Uh, a good very, I, I, I never, I wouldn't call him like a world, uh, worldy midfielder. I, I wouldn't call him, an, uh, I just think there's something about Decore whenever I watch him play. He can be dangerous going forward. He's very good defensively. He's a shit house yeah. when uh, when teams press. I I enjoy watching Decore. Yeah, I was going to say he he's one of those players who's got a little bit of attitude in him. You know when he gets the ball, he's dangerous, and you know when he's off it, he's just as dangerous. And that's kind of what you want from someone. Oh yeah, I I completely agree. And you know they're obviously looking to shore up their their midfield or at least the defensive side of their midfield because they've got Allen from Napoli. I am shocked that he has gone to Everton. Like, I understand that Ancelotti has some pulling power because Ancelotti is mm-hmm. a, a illustrious, fantastic manager. But Alan is a quality, quality CDM, right? Now, obviously, it's only the Serie A. And again, historically, Serie A players have struggled to adapt yeah. to the Premier League. But he is a dirty bastard. He can pass a ball. He can score goals. He, he is, the, I, for £22 million, which is what That's I've got it, here, yeah. that is good business. Everton have done good business. Now, the most mental, I think this is the most mental sign in the transfer window. I cannot believe that James Rodriguez is putting on an Everton shirt permanently. Mental, it's, mental, and mental. Wait, he, he went for 22 as well? He went for, I've, got it, I've got it as 20 million here, right? 20 oh, million to, from Real Madrid. Obviously, it's never really worked out in, in, at Real for, for James. And, you know, he, I remember when he burst onto the scene, he had an incredible World Cup. He scored that outrageous, outrageous volley from outside the box. Crazy for Colombia, 
he's always been fairly talented. He, he had a good couple of seasons in the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. They didn't really want to commit to him either. But well, it's actually uh, Ancelotti, Ancelotti is is uh, prolonging, not prolonging, but uh, directing his <laughs> career because Ancelotti brought him to Real. Then Ancelotti yeah. went to Bayern and he brought him to Bayern. Do you see what I mean? And now Ancelotti's gone to Everton and he's brought him to Everton. So, um, he's just like yeah. a little good luck charm. That's all it is. He's he's a, but the thing is, he is a, he is a quality player. I would say he yeah. is a quality player um, for Everton. That's good business. The the real question is, he's a cam. Does he out to Gerdson? Does he oust him? Right? Because I rate Gilbert Gerdson. Yeah. So... That's going to be interesting. I would like to. I would like to know what Everton's starting lineup is going to be next season because I think the heart of their midfield. Obviously, they've got rid of, as you can see here, Morgan Schneiderlin, who was a midfield option for him. So they, they've got coverage there. The only there's two significant outs. Schneiderlin's gone. Um, uh, Stecklenburn's gone to Ajax on a free. That's absolutely yeah, fine. That's I understand good. that. But the this isn't. I'm not classing this as an out because he's retired. Leighton Baines has retired in an Everton shirt, and what a fantastic club servant he has been for yeah. Everton. Fair play, but you know, on that basis, what I see there, I think they've had an incredibly good transfer window, and it, we've still got four weeks left. So who the hell knows yeah. what's going to happen? If I think there's going to be any more mad signings, I'm looking at Everton every single time because they're like, oh, by the way, Alan. Oh, by the way, Rodriguez. The core is not a mad signing. I can see why that's been made. He's yeah. Premier League proven. Um, he's Premier League proven. He's good. He's a holding midfielder. He's a shit house. Ancelotti will need that in the midfield, especially when teams are pressing them so high. Um, Fulham, we'll briefly touch on because I don't think they've had a fantastic window. Uh, I think the most significant is uh, not Carl from Brighton. Uh, he's he's been made permanent. Uh, permanent. And then uh, Lamina from Southampton on loan. I know Lamina was trying to get out last season. He's a another Gabonese player um, that United and Juventus were looking at last season, but it's never really quite worked out. Um, and then Harrison Reed from Southampton as well. Again, I think Fulham, obviously, when they came up last time, they spent fucking loads of money. They spent like yeah. £100 million pounds and they got fucking relegated. So... <laughs> They're probably like, we don't really want to spend very much, just in case no, it, definitely it all goes sense. wrong. They're um, definitely playing it, you know. There was a very interesting say. one today that uh, I don't know if you've seen. It did happen literally about an hour before we started recording. Okay, this. who we got? So Fulham have loaned in Ariola, the goalkeeper from yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just happened. I got his PSG on here. Is it? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. He was at Real Madrid last season yeah, on loan from PSG, and now and now he's here. So that's good business. I think that's crazy. I think that's, that's uh, that, that's solid. a good goalkeeper. That's a very yeah. good goalkeeper. But sometimes you have this when a very good goalkeeper goes on loan or uh, goes to a club, and you're like, "How the hell have you ended up here?" <laughs> you know. And then the, the team in front of them, they must be thinking, "Oh my god, what the <laughs> what is this quality?" Um, yeah, but it always makes, it always makes sense. Those kind of Loan here, loan there, loan because it's just getting to know different types of football from going from you know Madrid oh, yeah, to definitely, you know, and if, back if you into the stop, Premier. If you, can stop you know. a ball, if you can stop a ball in every league, you're a quality goalkeeper, in my opinion. Exactly. I think PSG are playing the long game with him personally. So, Leeds have returned to the Premier League. Yes, when we get on to our predictions, I'm very excited for that. I think I think Leeds are going to have some fun. Oh, okay. Um, Leeds have returned to the Premier League after was it 19 years, 20 years? I think it is something like that. It's yeah. been a long. Been a long time. 
It was only a couple of years ago when they were like very close as well, wasn't it? And well, you know, you know how you know we call Tommy uh, Wasu the, the the disaster artist. You, you should call them the <laughs> choke artists. They're bloody terrible. Every yeah. single season, they're the only championship team to be leading. I believe this is true, and anyone who's listening to this can pull me up if it's not true. They're the only championship team to be leading the championship at Christmas and not make it up to the Premier League. So they are a special breed. Let's <laughs> just put it like that. But, yeah. uh, special breeds turn it around, and both happened this season. Liverpool had been the only team to uh, lead the Premier League at Christmas mm-hmm. and lost and not won the Premier League, and they won it this season. And Leeds, the only team to uh, lead to the championship at Christmas, and they won it this season. So credit where credit's due. Well done, Leeds. You definitely belong in the Premier League. But yeah. you've done some interesting business as well, which I love to see. Often, I've noticed a trend recently because obviously when you win the championship, you get a lot of money. So, so I've noticed in the last couple of years that championship clubs are coming up and spending loads of cash. Villa yeah. spent loads last season. Fulham spent loads when they came up. So... The most interesting for me is obviously Rodrigo from Valencia. Yeah, I was looking at that one straight away. Uh, now, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I did look at his stats from last season and he only scored seven goals in 32 appearances. So while it might be good business on paper, I'm not entirely convinced. Mm-hmm. Let's any, see any, what any happens. Any assists on that? Uh, I think he had like three assists or something like that. Okay, was, let's, yeah, let's cut that bit out. We don't need to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, anything. Rodrigo... On paper, goodbye. Hope yeah. it works out. That would be my thing. Helder Costa from Wolves, good bit of business. Wolves trying Sorry. to raise some funds to strengthen out where elsewhere. Uh, Portuguese prove Premier League proven. I think it's good. No significant outs at the moment, so we'll talk about. We'll, we'll move on from Leeds, but I think Leeds have had a pretty good window. Interesting buys. I think they're not done in the transfer window. I think they will spend mm. some more money yet. Um, now Leicester. In terms of my list, only I've only got one in, which is Timothy Castan or whatever his name yeah. is. Is, is. Is he an American native or? No, I think he's Belgian. Oh, okay, okay. He, well, no, I, I know he's Belgian because he's. I've got him at Napoli on my football manager, mate. So, <laughs> um, a very attacking right back. Uh, when I've seen him play, was very good for uh, Atlanta last season. Uh, yeah. I think. I find it odd that they've bought him, actually. And I'm only going to say that because unless they're planning... Oh, they, right, okay. So there is some logic. He is ambidextrous, I believe. So I think he can play left and right back. So obviously, because they've got rid of Ben Chilwell, which is their most, most significant loss, he's probably going to rotate and switch with Ricardo Pereira. Now, obviously, I think uh, Ricardo Pereira is an incredibly good right back, and he can play on the left as well. So I think in terms of rotation, it makes sense. It's cheap. They've kept 25 mil from Chilwell and then put 25 million onto yeah, that deal. Makes sense. Smart makes business sense. for me. Um, hope Leicester do more business. There is a rumour that they're going to try and buy David Brooks from Bournemouth. Interesting. Um, which is interesting for me because United have been linked as, with David Brooks for a replacement if Sancho doesn't work out. Now, um, David Brooks is an all-Brighton-esque player. I could see him at Leicester. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Rumours 20 million... Um, but I think Leicester have had a slow transfer window. I don't think it's been bad. I think obviously they've lost one of their best players, but they've brought in another good player. Um, be interesting to see what they do next season. That, 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 that's where my thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, I agree with you on Leicester. Now, Liverpool haven't done any business. 
basically. They uh, bought him. Uh, you, can't us... say that. you can't say that after Spurs' famous season last year. We literally <laughs> did no business. Uh, Liverpool have just bought in a rotation at left back, which has uh, cost us to miss gas. Uh, for 11 million, looks like a good rotation one for the future. Yeah, Pop's very good at scouting. So yeah. Liverpool seems very straightforward. A little bit of youth injection there to build up the squad. And like we've discussed the outs as well, haven't we already? Pretty much, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, apart from the best defender, self-proclaimed <laughs> best defender in the world, Dejan Lovren, after they knocked England out of the World Cup, I'm glad to have proven I'm now one of the best defenders in the world. Has been <laughs> ousted and sent to Senate St. Petersburg, where you can rot in hell. Goodbye, Dejan. Indeed. They got a nice little packet for him though, so that's good. Um, oh yeah, Liverpool's dealings. Now Manchester City, the side of Manchester that I'm not so in love with. Um, sad it's to see. Be the shortest listen, part. I can be objective. Sad to see Davis, David Silva leave the Premier League. For Very sure. good servant to Manchester City. Uh, incredible player for them. Uh, a real loyal player in 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 a time where there are, is not much loyalty in players. So mm. you know, fair play to him. He never won a Champions League, sadly, um, and it didn't matter anyway because he didn't win the Champions League this season and he'd left yeah. already. So yeah, he never yeah. missed out. Sadly, it was never meant to be. He's gone to Real Sociedad to be closer to his home. Mad respect to him. Uh, good luck in the future. Leroy Sane to Bayern Munich for £54 million is bad business for City, but great business for Bayern. Wow. Yeah. I know that Leroy Sane has been injured quite a lot, but he is a young very very dangerous winger that first that season that second season where uh, Guardiola was at Man City he was scary up that way yeah so but after that he didn't really settle in did he he didn't quite get the grips of City I don't I don't know I think there was some falling out there or something obviously yeah, when you've got when you've got so much squad depth and so much quality squad depth I think that you're obviously someone's going to not make it into the Sane 11 yeah. and apparently everyone thinks Raheem Sterling is better than Sane that, that's and fair enough if people think that he does score goals. Um, yeah, Sterling does do, no, not for England, but he does do it for City. I actually looked at his Premier League record the other day. He's and good at City. He he's got like seventy-eight City. goals, I think, or something in the Premier he League. So fair, City. fair play to Raheem Sterling. Um, interesting bit, business in from City in a way. Nathan Ake from relegated Bournemouth for forty-one million pounds. That's a lot of money. I don't that's, know that's how a... Bournemouth have got that fee for Ake. And yeah. that's not a discredit to Ake, just simply because they went down. No, I, I think, think 40 million is right if he'd stayed in the Premier League, but he didn't. So, See, I would, not, again, I would have priced Ake more at 30 mil myself, maybe 35, just, you know. But that is mad, especially off a relegated team. You'd ex- But that's power to Bournemouth for being sticking it out being like we know what he's worth even if we're going down we'll hold on to him kind of vibes right there I think maybe there was an element that um, I believe Chelsea had first refusal or an opportunity to buy back so maybe they said listen you're going to have to bid high or Chelsea might buy him back I don't know They've got uh, Ferran uh, Torres from Valencia for 21 million. Val- obviously, Valencia are in a crippling financial situation. They must sell players. That's why yep. Rodrigo's gone, and that's why Torres is gone. Good bit of business. Good young winger. You know, could do a very a very Guardiola player. That's all I'm going to say. And he probably sure. do absolute bits. Um, now, not on this list, but through my. Uh, looking through Twitter every single day. <laughs> I was going to say, your sources. Injecting trans- transfers into my veins, Reddits, whatever, you know, talking yeah, to people, yeah. following the news, 
City are trying to strengthen their defence. It was what let them down last season and allowed Liverpool to run away with the title. Uh, obviously, because Laporte was injured so very early on in their season and they didn't have any depth rotation. John Stones doesn't cut the mustard, whatever you want yeah. to call it. So, they are trying to sign Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli. Napoli wants €75 million Euros for him. City don't want to pay €75 million Euros for a 29-year-old. I understand. That is, that is a bit mad. Um, City are hoping to somewhere meet them in the middle of about 60 to 65 is what is, is being circulated at the moment. Uh, fingers crossed. Pricey. Yeah. Very pricey. But listen, if it wins Guardiola his last Premier League and then he can fuck off, which I imagine is what he wants to do. This is um, the thing, yeah. It's just coming in for a season, sorting it out, moving on. I think on. solidifying the defence. You buy Koulibaly, he's going to be there for a couple of years. He's a, he's in in a way he's kind of like a Van Dyke signing, in, and not in not necessarily in ability, but in like we're bringing someone in who's going to shore up this defence, and we won't have to worry about it for a couple of seasons. And that's what Koulibaly would do. You know, mm-hmm. if if you said to me, would I have him at United? The answer would be yes, a thousand times, but not for seventy five million euros. City, good transfer window. If they get Koulibaly, incredible transfer window. Dangerous, Indeed. dangerous, dangerous. I mean, um, that doesn't change City's positioning at all, does it? Just, no, it just it just stops them from flipping up and 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 you know yeah. one week one week area in particular that City have, and you can look at this statistically any way you want. They're terrible at defending set pieces. You know, you need to bring in a centre back that can dominate the box. He will do that. I, I guarantee. Yeah, that's what you need. Now. Onto my team. Oh, yes, indeed. The moment you've been waiting for. No, not been waiting for, because I tell you what, Man United are terrible at transfers. They're the most frustrating honestly, team. I've got blue balls out of my eyes, honestly. I don't, like, obviously, many memories around football, but I will never forget you going through the stresses of Pogba. Uh, I heard that man's name mentioned so much. It was like, we're getting him, we're not. We're getting him, we're not. Again, and, and now we're here again. Season? Exactly. Every time, Man United are just... You, and look, looking at your transfers, all you've brought in is Van der Beek, which is good. It's when, good. Yes, yeah, but look, right, this is, the, this is the perfect analogy for United's transfer business. They've been told they're shit at sex, so they overemphasize ball play. <laughs> we do so much fucking ball play on transfers, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I was watching a couple of YouTube videos and other people that I sort of, uh, I, opinions yeah. I care about and stuff, and they were saying that United on average takes 62 days to do their marquee signing. 62 days. Like six and a half weeks. It's what fucking are you mental. doing? What are you doing? Like I don't how know. much are you trying to finesse these people? What are you trying to get out of them? Look, United think they can get deals, but unfortunately, because we're so uh, high stature of a club, people want the money. So they won't come That's down true. in price. Now, Alexis Sanchez gone. Great bit of business. Shite mm. for us. Yeah. 60 million <laughs> Again, pounds that was we have one. saved on wages by letting him go to Inter early. Yeah. 60 million pounds, right? So money saved. Uh, right, so I'll do the significant outs. Chong's gone to Ver- Verde Brenham. Good luck to him. He seems to be doing bits so yeah, far. He scored right. a couple of goals. Uh, unfortunately, we lost An- Angel Gomez on a free. He just couldn't get into the first team and he, he didn't want to wait anymore. That's a shame. Agalo's uh, loan has been extended to winter. He's not a fantastic player, but he's got a lot of heart. So Indeed. he's got charm in my book. Now, obviously, we've brought in Donny van der Beek. I went to uh, I went to Ajax's stadium or the the Johan Cruyff Stadium in December, and I was there. And I said to Donny, I said, "Listen, you're coming to United, mate." End of discussion. Agent Cooper is here, and um, now he's here. No, it, it's a great bit of business. It's super cheap, thirty five million pounds, like forty with add-ons. Yeah, great deal. Is he a was, great guy. As far as United sources are saying, he is the second choice um, player to. Jack Grealish, who was just too expensive for us to buy. 
Now, obviously, the other long-standing target is Jadon Sancho. Everyone's heard about Jadon Sancho this summer, how United want to sign Jadon Sancho, and how Dortmund want 120 million euros for him, and how United don't want to pay it. So we're in the middle of that saga at the moment. It, is, it looks like it's broken tonight. There might be some movement on Sancho to United, and that agent fees that have been holding up the deal have now moved on. But Indeed. United still have not made an official bid at the time of this recording. It's looking... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has said... How much? What do you reckon? Listen, I think we're going to have to pay the full amount that they want. I think we're going to bend over. I think See, we're going to unbuckle I'm, the belt. I mean, it's very Man United. I think we're going to unbuckle the belt. Listen, if you say to me, you paid £80 million for Harry Maguire, I'll go, you're fucking right. Yeah. You're right. So, of course, we're going to pay it. You like, like to break the bank. You like English. to break the bank. I promise you, if Jadon Sancho was not English, he was any other nationality, he would be £40 million cheaper than he is. right? Because English players and the Premier League, there's this inflation. This there's is this inflation the, it's true. But I mean, I mean, like this is like both me and you have enjoyed now in the past couple of seasons, is supporting us essentially the English teams. You know? Oh, of course. Spurs having the youth English and Man United having the youth English. So it's great to see. And like I can't blame them for trying to bring that in. It's one of the reasons I enjoy watching Man United myself is for that sort of English angle. Yeah, and, and it is and it is great. And he's young. He's the right profile. He's gone and proven himself abroad, even though Guardiola said that he didn't think he'd ever cut it. He'd left City for eight million. A lot of United fans don't know this, but apparently part of this fee's going to City. About 15 million quid would go to City, which pains me. But, you know, we want him. We, we want Sancho. I, think I understand why we want one. him. United have not had a right winger for seven seasons. And, out, and I'm not talking about someone who can play right wing, someone who can do a job there, Mason Greenwood, who's a centre forward, who, who can, can play on the right. Play, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about someone who is an out-and-out out right winger who live and breathes that role. Now, a lot of people would say to me, they go, listen, Harley, you're fucking crazy. We, Sancho's a left winger. He is you're quite right. But Dortmund play, have played him consistently on the right. And he has tremendous stats on the right. If he can do it, fine. Bring him in. He's the right side. Him and Sanch him and Rashford can switch. Yep. You know, Martial up top, a lot of rotation there. It it, 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 it looks good. It now, does, and it's all about that cutback play. That's that's why you play him mm. on the opposite wings, is their ability to cut back and whip it in with their strong foot, it would seem. Oh, Which yeah. is very much Man United playing. I mean it's He's a counter I promise guys. you, he is a counter-attacking player. He will do bits on the counter-attack. And United love a counter-attack. You know, and, and when we're playing well, we are lethal. And when we're playing poorly, we are fucking dreadful. But listen, there's two things that make me sure that the Sancho deal will happen. One, Pogba has said he will stay Sorry, I just want to record the time. Yeah, listen, you can play this back to me and if it doesn't happen. But I'm, I would say I'm about 85% sure he's going to sign. Oh, he's changed it already. No, 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 no. 85% sure is it is sure. But it's sure. listen, Pogba has agreed to stay. I don't think Pogba would have agreed to stay and extend his contract. Obviously, it hasn't happened officially yet, but Riola has said it is going to be renewed, basically. I don't think he would have stayed unless he had insurances that the first team were going to be strengthened. Uh, and also, secondly, I think if United were going to walk away from this deal, which I don't think they can, I think they would have done it by now because of the backlash they've had in the past about messing up transfer windows, especially yeah. when we missed out on Bruno in the summer and then got him in January and people went to Woodward's house and started doing all that <laughs> stuff that I do not condone. I think is absolutely horrendous. Trust me, Man United fans are crazy. I'm one of them. I know. 
I don't think United can walk away from this deal. I think if they were going to, they would have said no. by now, we're off. We're not going to do it. You're too far in the pocket right now. I, you're, I think you're we're too far in the well. pocket. Just briefly touching on, obviously, we will talk about these a little bit more because they are our teams. We will talk about what Spurs have done in the transfer window extensively as well. But there are also rumours that Josh King is very much pushing for a return to Manchester United. He was the alternative to uh, Odeon Igalo before. Mm-hmm. We couldn't agree on a price with Bournemouth, so we got Igalo instead. He looks like the permanent rotation striker. Uh, he's Premier League proven. I don't rate him that highly, but he, again, he loves United, so I could, I could, if it's an okay fee, I could, I could be okay with it. And the other one is Sergio Regulon, really Guon. I don't know how to say his name, but he's, he's a Real Madrid left back that was on loan at Sevilla last season. He was. He tore up. He was in the team of the year in La Liga last year. He had a great season at left back. United are being touted as being interested, as well as Spurs, funnily enough. Indeed. But do you so, feel like um, do you feel like Sancho is the linchpin at the moment? Once you pull the uh, the trigger on him, are you going to sign these other two? Do you think is that the feeling? Well, or I think is it like if it doesn't. I think it goes one of two ways, right? I think it goes we either sign Sancho now and then we do no more business, or we sign yeah. those two and then we do Sancho. I, I, I listen. I think honestly, you know, we'll probably make two signings, and that will be Donny Van Der Beek and Jaden Sancho. I think in a dream world, we make three signings, which is reg- uh, on, And then if we do make four signings, it's Josh King on deadline day. That, that, would, be, yeah. that would be my That's prediction. Yeah. So, no, there's, there's no, there's no dream where Josh King is involved. <laughs> there's like a, an acceptance like, okay, fine, Josh King, whatever. Okay, but okay. You're already no, in the dream and then he even gets involved. Like, no, it's but fine, so far, United's transfer window, if we had not signed Donny van der Beek, I would have said, listen, the gutter, <laughs> it's garbage. Fuck my life. I yeah. hate United. But I would say at the moment it's like just barely above surface level in terms of what they should be doing. I mean, they buy Sancho and Regulon, good transfer window, eight out of ten in my opinion. Yeah, I guess my opinions of transfer windows at this point in time are kind of skewed after the Spurs I don't know, last I season. Remember, I remember a transfer window where Tottenham spent a hundred million pounds. Yeah, the, so we do, we do hundred million, or we do players. zero. <laughs> last year was zero. We did nothing. So I mean, you just get in one player, I'm like, that's great. I mean, as we'll get to Spurs in a second, yeah, you can get through. So, let's move on to Newcastle briefly. Yeah, it doesn't look like they've got too much going on. No, obviously they've, I, I, I haven't got it on mine, but I know they've bought Jamal Lewis, right? Should say it. Yeah, it's uh, down here. Yeah. yeah, right. So, good. One of the ones to escape Norwich, I believe, from uh, relegation. Good. I think he's a left back. Very exciting left back whenever mm. I watched him play. Uh, oh, yeah, he is a left back because Max Aaron's played on the other side. I expect Max Aaron's will be another player that it is bought at some point in this window. Now, Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser, the uh, the duo, the Bezies from Bournemouth, have yeah. crawled out of the Championship to Newcastle. Interesting. I, I really, like I like Callum Wilson. Yeah, I'm a fan, but I really like that Wilson's been bought in for twenty million and Fraser's gone on free. Well, Fraser wanted to leave Bournemouth. I think he wanted to go to yeah. Arsenal last season, and Eddie Howe didn't let it happen. So we always knew that Fraser was going to go on a free. I think, obviously, Wilson probably would have stayed with the Cherries had they stayed up, but they didn't. Now, apparently, this is behind-the-scenes gossip, I don't know, Ryan Fraser was waiting to see if Callum Wilson would go to Newcastle before he agreed to sign the contract there. That sounds feasible. It sounds feasible. That, that apparently, because obviously Fraser's been a free agent for a, about a month and a half now. Yeah. So he's been waiting for something, and I can't really think he was like, hello, agent. Yeah, I really need to go to Newcastle. Could you make it happen? Like, no offense to Newcastle. It's an interesting yeah. project, but because the the acquisition fell through of their of their club being bought, you know, there's not a lot of players that are like desperate to go there. But yeah, we could have seen a very different transfer window from them, couldn't we? 
Christmas well, season. we could have seen absolute madness. And Mbappe on the yeah. private jet, you know, oh, I've always loved Newcastle, loved Newcastle growing up, you know. Yeah, in, always in, had in, blood. In his always watched Shearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Shearer. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> he probably did love Shearer. I won't lie. I love Shearer. But yeah, who doesn't? You know, good business, I think, so far. Yeah, it's left good back, Danny Rose has obviously gone back to Tottenham because he was on loan there. Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, players that know each other, that's really valuable, right? That's what I you will need say in Ryan Fraser had his worst season in the Premier League last season, but I think it's because he wanted to leave. Works out perfect, Ryan Fraser being Scottish, he's probably closer to home. Callum Wilson, in for the reality check of his life in terms of distance, but yeah, you know, I, I hope it works out and I hope he bangs him in for Newcastle. I think Newcastle are going to be okay next year. I don't it's, know why. It's, it's a strong little choice there. I think it's it's a good middle table looking team. I think Callum Wilson could have gone somewhere like Leicester to replace Jamie Vardy or something like that. I, I fully believe that or Southampton. True. But, you know, fair enough. Good luck to him. I think they've had a good transfer window so far and I, I, I would probably rate about 7 out of 10 to be honest. But now... We'll briefly touch on Sheffield. I think they've had a very quiet transfer window. Bought Bournemouth's keeper for 18 million. I think Bournemouth have fleeced some clubs. I, not that I think Ramsdale is a bad keeper. No, Bournemouth I think have done well in the transfer window. You could have. They chose. I think we would have loaned them, obviously, because we loaned them Dean Henderson for the last two seasons. I think we would have loaned them Dean Henderson again for keeper. Mm. But they've made the choice that no, they want to have a permanent keeper that's going to be there, and that's absolutely fine. And they've picked Aaron Ramsdale. Good luck to them. I think they're going to have quite a quiet window. I don't think they have a lot of money to spend, but I think they'll. Pro- I think yeah, so far it's been pretty solid. Now here's one, which is directly linked to you. We've got Southampton. Carl Walker Peters. Interesting. Has uh, been bought from Tottenham. Goodbye, Kyle. It famously said in the. Um, in the Spurs documentary that you have not watched, you salacious Spurs fan. We'll get on to my reasoning why later. Carl Walker-Peters, Mourinho said, your name, your name is too long, man. Verbatim, your name is too long. For me, too long. Right? For me, too long. So that's why he's been sold, apparently. No, it's not why he's been sold. But Carl Walker-Peters gone to uh, Southampton. Good for him. I don't think he would ever really have cut it at Spurs. So, fair play. See, again, this is probably completely off topic, but I've got a soft spot for Walker Peters because I think it was FIFA 18, FIFA 19. He was always <laughs> youth side and he was yeah, so good. I think we all have those guys. Virtually, play, all players are fantastic. I can, I, make, I can make De Gea run up the pitch and bang it top corner if I really want to. All I'm saying is, Mourinho doesn't know what he was doing with him. Give him to me and we could have made him something. Oh, I believe. I believe. <laughs> now, Quite a lot of outs at Southampton. Uh, obviously, you have bought Hoiberg, which we'll speak about yep. when we get to Spurs. They've sold Cedric Suarez to Arsenal, as we know, so he's gone. Mario Lamina's gone to Fulham on loan. And I wouldn't call him a Southampton legend, but a staple, a long-standing staple of Southampton side is Maya Yoshida, and he has left. Yeah, he's gone. So I think... We're going to have a quiet transfer window from Southampton. I think they've got a fantastic manager at the moment and they looked dangerous towards the end of last season. Very difficult to break down and play against. He he feels like a manager which will be a top six manager in like two seasons' time. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like he'll get poached. Sure. He'll get poached when like it doesn't work out at Arsenal, it doesn't work out at United or it doesn't work out wherever it may be. He'll come in and fill the void, I think. Tottenham, Hotspur. Let's do it. Can we can we just begin with the absolute farce? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, if you watch, if you do go and watch Jewel or Nothing, you will see that when it comes to transfers, they give Mourinho um, packets of players. So they will go and go, here's a whole yeah. file of players that you can go through. He's looked through those files of players and he's gone, yeah, I will have Joe Hart. He's willingly, as the catalogue, no, picked I that motherfucker and said, come to Tottenham Hotspur. My mum detests Joe Hart. She thinks he thinks he's a midfielder. And I don't think she's wrong. He's way past it. I think that's probably some yeah. sort of England quota, British national quota or something, or just a rotation <laughs> keeper, whatever it may be. But my God, he is way, way past it. I do. I, yeah, he's definitely a rotation keeper, considering all the issues we had last year. That I think it's just, it was an easy one for Mourinho to bring in. Mourinho obviously has a soft spot for him for whatever reason, I don't know. But yeah, that's, that, it just absolutely baffles me that that is involved. Yeah, I, when that came through, I remember I think I messaged you a couple of days after your birthday. Yeah. What a birthday gift. Joe yeah. Hart to Tottenham, absolute senye. Well, you know so. what, you know, it will be senyes when he goes up for the corner. In the final dying Top minutes. Bins against Arsenal Top in bins, a derby. <laughs> overhead kick, whatever it is that Joe Hart does, it's going to happen. And we're, we're going to deny that we ever had this conversation and Joe Hart's going to be a living legend. Listen, who knows? Reese might get injured and then uh, Gasaniga might get injured and then Joe Hart <laughs> might step up to the plate. You never know. Weirder things have yeah. happened in football. Listen, if it's a free and you're not paying him very much wages and he's just... You can't complain keeper, too much, right? And you complain too much, I don't yeah. think so, no. Right. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, good player from interesting. Southampton. Interesting, interesting. I think he is what... So I think Pochettino bought Ndombele to do a certain thing in the Spurs midfield, and I think Pochettino rated Ndombele, and I know categorically that Mourinho mm. does not. Looking like Ndombele might go to Inter Milan. That's the sort of the rumour on the grapevine. So I think he's been brought in to be the, the controller, the dictator of your defensive yeah. and yeah, and your midfield line. He's scored some fucking worldies for Southampton, I do remember. He scored, he's got a long shot on him. We've always he's had a shithouse as well. Yeah, we've always had a good CDM. I'm, I'm happy to have Sankels involved in there. So it's, it's good. That's what I want to see. I'm surprised that he went. I, I, but I think it's good business. I think you got him for a really good price. I, I don't have it here, but I think I remember it being about 19 million yeah, 0.7 it says undisclosed but i think it's about 20 mil good piece of business shit house holds midfield good depth as well because you guys need depth in that midfield i'm sorry but when i watch harry winks and eric dyer play for england i think fuck me and when you watch that uh, spurs all or nothing documentary you'll see that Mourinho goes from a player that uh, a manager who likes eric dyer to thinking hang on a minute <laughs> I'm not sure I do like Eric Dyer as a player anymore. I think, we've, I think we've all been there, though, with Eric Dyer. There was a period yeah. where I loved him as yeah. well. And it just... I was, I, I obviously, I was just shooketh when he spoke fluent Portuguese. Obviously, I know he grew up in Portugal and stuff, but he was just spoke it so fluently. I was like, oh, my God. And because he's so vanilla as a personality, when he did it, I was like, oh, my God, that's so interesting. How dare you be so bland and have such an interesting thing about you? Matt Doherty from Wolves is good business because this one I'm happy about. Like, I, like for me, Spurs has always been that back four, right? Like, just think about the back fours that they've had from you know, all the wide out and the Tongan and all of that to even way back in the day with Ledley King. So, I'm happy to see that. Campbell, bring... the traitor, indeed. I'm just glad to see they're bringing something in there, like, it's definitely needed. Yeah, listen. I think it's good business. I think he's a good right back. I 
purely think he's been sold because of age by Wolves, not because they don't think he adds anything to the team. Mm. I think he's a good stopping gap until you can find a full-time right back uh, in terms of longevity. And I think fundamentally he's been bought because um, Serge Aurier is a liability to your back line. It's true. I think Aurier could be a better winger than he could be right back because defensively he is shocking. Offensively, he's pretty good. But Mourinho says it himself in that all or nothing. He says, I think you're capable of giving away shit penalties. And I think that is a correct statement about Serge Aurier. I think he's very, yeah, very yeah, capable yeah. of doing that. He was a little bit like uh, Kyle Walker, but just on steroids. Like he I just remember about the forward game. when you guys were like fucking flying and you were in the Champions League and you did Real Madrid and everyone was like, what? And then you <laughs> went to Madrid and you were winning 1-0 and then Aurier gave away a bloody penalty. Yeah. Because he's got a temper on him. There was no yeah. need to put the challenge in. There was no way they were going to score. Yeah. He, he's, got, he's got a temperament problem. And I, I mean, I don't, I, again, I haven't seen the documentary, but I know there's a lot of issues surrounding our temper. And that has been a big thing for Spurs for a long time. Remember, like, whoever we brought in is wrong. Yeah. Delhi, same issue. But yeah, definitely. Now, you know, we, we've always had that temperament. But Look, we're getting you, it. We're pulling it back. You are getting there, and you've let go of some deadwood, as far as I can see. Now, Yamatongan has passed it, in my opinion, so it's right yeah. to let him go to Benfica, and good luck to him. It's actually quite sad when you see the players reacting to transfers that they don't want to happen, especially in that. Vertonghen yeah. clearly does not want to leave Spurs, and he's. I, I, I didn't want to see. It. I didn't want to see him go either. I, I, like again, like you say, he is past it, but he's he's a Spurs player. Like you just feel it with these guys. Yeah, and listen, obviously, him and Alderweireld had a, a fantastic partnership at the back. Toby so still got it. That's the problem, and and yeah. I don't think Jan does, uh, especially since they try to play him at left back sometimes. But obviously, you've seen. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say icon, but. You know, Yamatong, well, maybe he is a Spurs icon. I don't know. Maybe you see him as one, but he's gone, which is sad to see him go. He's, he's been there for a long time. Uh, Victor Wanyama has gone to uh, Montreal Impact. Fair play to him. Like, yeah. understanding he's got to go and make his cash. Right. We've got three left, and then we can finally talk about season predictions. West Brom, listen, I think it's a bad window. I don't think they've bought in anyone significant, and I don't think they've sold out anyone significant. I think. They probably have got no money to spend, and I yeah. think they might go down. That that's my honest. Yeah, thoughts. the only one, the only weird one that jumps out at me is Button from Brighton. I'm not really sure where they. Yeah, I think that's probably just they want a keeper who's got a little bit of Premier League experience. Yeah, and he won't have very. He won't have much because Matt Ryan always fucking plays. Hang on, Thomas Suchek. I thought he came in January for West Ham. Or maybe it was alone and then... Yeah, I think they bought him. I think they definitely had him. He was definitely there. But I think that's a buy for them. I think, yeah, you might be right in thinking that maybe it was alone. Listen, he's been pretty good for them so far in the Premier League. Scored a couple yeah. of goals. Scored, I think he scored either one or two against Chelsea when they beat them 3-2. Looks very imposing. He's a bit shithousey. That's very West Ham. David Moyes has got a fucking job on his hands, I would say. Their most significant out is Pablo Zabaleta, just because he's yep. old. I understand he's got to go. Uh, but he's been around in the Premier League for a very, very long time. I do know that West Ham are trying to buy James Tarkowski from Burnley. Burnley want £50 million for Tarkowski. And West Ham don't want to pay anywhere near that. They want to pay like £30 million for him. So I think they had a yeah, first bid. Sense. First bid was like mid-20s and then they did like late-20s and now they're like 30 to 35 is the max they're willing to go. I think. We'll see. 
I think West Ham are going to have a relatively quiet window. If they bring Tarkowski in, that's a good bit of business. But I think West Ham have much bigger problems scoring yeah. goals than they do defend. Well, I think they have a problem across the pitch, but I think they need to score more goals. Which, it's as which as that. I mean, that that window leaves me worried for them because I mean, last season there was a bit of a struggle. Well, they didn't struggle for the last couple of seasons, and you know, when we get into our predictions, I do have a few fears for them and. That just adds to it, the fact that they haven't really done any business. Maybe they're just, you know, having a look at what they've got and just going to work with it and see what comes. But, yeah, it's slightly worrying for me. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a quiet one. Tarkowski would be a good acquisition, but I wouldn't wouldn't be comfortable saying I yeah. think it's going to be a significant uh, improvement on their first 11. Wolves have been quiet so far, but they did just buy that Fabio Silva. Which is a good one. That's a good buy. Good, good youth player. Obviously, they're thinking to the future because they realise that Raul Jimenez is 29. He's probably only got a couple more seasons in him. Apparently, they value Raul Jimenez at um, £70 million at 29. Are you joking? No one's buying him for £70 million. The only significant out for me, from what I can see, well, there's two. There's Helder Costa and then there's Matt Doherty uh, for Spurs. I think Wolves... I, I don't. I think Wolves are going to spend. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling they're going to spend a little bit more cash. But I think they've got a pretty good team. They, they, they always really, have, haven't they? They really challenged. They're the one of the teams that came up from the Premier League, and they didn't just have like a, like a. Oh, it was just a one season season galvanised. Like you know, remember when Huddersfield came up, and then they mm. like they didn't. No, don't get me wrong, they didn't set the world alight, but they were comfortably staying in the Premier League, and then they just capitulated the following season. Wolves have not done that. They've gone from strength to strength. Nuno is a fantastic manager by the looks of things, mm. and I believe we will see him at a top club very, very soon. Oh, Maybe he'll turn Wolves into a top club. Who knows? They could. But, de- they definitely got that contender blood in them, top 10 from, I think, this season, but we'll if, wait and see. If there was one player I could have from Wolves for any team... I think every team needs uh, Ruben Neves. I think he is a fantastic <laughs> Yeah, he's player. a bit crazy. Yeah, he's a bit tasty for sure. He's good defensively. He's good offensively. He can play make. He can score. He is an animal. He's young. He's only like 22, 23. Like, someone buy Ruben Neves. But I, I imagine the, the cost of it would be astronomical. That would Yeah, they've got him under wraps at Wolves for now. Right, okay. So we've gone through the transfer stuff. That took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take, by the way. <laughs> Got carried away as always. So let's move on to a season predictions. Do you want to start? I want to hear your season predictions. You want to hear straight off the bat? Okay. I think this season we're going to see a straight three way at the top between okay. Man City, mm-hmm. Liverpool, and I don't really want to say this, but the one and only Man United as well. I can oh, see no way. You, God. Yes. I can see you three battling it out with everyone else kind of not left in the dust, but just irrelevant and I think top and then I haven't got a fourth place in mind but I'm looking at the likes of Chelsea or uh, I don't know I can't see Spurs ever getting up there but I think it's a solid one for Chelsea to sort of slot in there and like we said maybe a surprise I'm excited for Leeds that's my big thing mm-hmm. I think Leeds are going to come in and every team is going to do the wrong thing they're either going to overestimate them or underestimate them mm-hmm. and I think the big teams are going to overestimate them and not be able to play because Leeds are going to come in and play with passion. They're going to go full out, in my opinion. Well, it's, which their, is, it's their return, right? It's exactly the, what they've been waiting for. They better not fucking blow it. That's that's the mentality they must Indeed. have. Indeed, and I and I think that's something the likes of Liverpool and Man City struggle against is just that raw. Let's keep going. They're very tactical sides, much like Chelsea. I think they're going to struggle with that. Whereas Man United will be able probably to handle that. 
and then, like we just said, Wolves, again, I think they're going to have a tasty season. They're going to do really well. Okay. And in terms of who you think might be in danger of leaving the Premier League, who do you think? Well, as we mentioned, I think it's going to be West Ham. I mean, they've been flirting with disaster for years now. They just, they just keep looking at it. And I think, look at, and like I said, looking at those transfers, I just don't think they've done anything yet. Mm-hmm. They may turn it around in the next couple of weeks and bring in some players, and I may change that opinion. But as it stands, I think they are flirting with disaster. Much like Brighton, again, looking at that transfer window, mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on in their heads. Uh, but I don't know about another team going down. It'd be interesting to see the guys who've come up at West Brom and see how they're going to handle it. I don't think... I think they'll be able to stay up, but I think they're going to struggle at the bottom of the, of the table, personally. Okay. But, yeah. I, and in terms of who, you, who do you think your top... Who do you think the top goal scorer is going to be in the Premier League this season? Obviously, last season, we had a very, very three-horse race between, a race between Danny Ings, Jamie Vardy, and Aubameyang. And we know that Vardy managed to stumble over the line because he didn't score very much in his last yeah. couple of games um, who, do, who do you feel you think is going to be like a, uh, the prolific, do you think we're going to get a 30, 30 goal goal scorer this season I know the Spurs fan you probably wants to go Harry, but this he is, has I done th- it I think, he has done I it, think, he can do I, it I personally think we're moving into a season especially looking at the teams is where the midfield players are going to be on those scoreboards. Like just again, look, take your team, for example, Man United, the amount of attacking power you have in that midfield and the ability to score. Mm. I think it's going to be uh, in terms of goal scorers quite low. I don't think we're going to see the big numbers this season. I think it's okay. going to be evenly spread across the board. And I don't really want to put my money on anyone just yet. Cause I think okay. the midfield is going to be an interesting one to watch. For sure. And I say that again from Spurs' perspective, even from Man City's perspective, I think everyone has learned the power of the midfield over these last few seasons. And I think it's going to be a really interesting look at uh, how we play that kind of football. We're not going to see the um, the glory-hunting, godlike strikers that we have in the past. I think we're definitely going to see a more well-rounded team, and especially on a COVID point, as we move forwards, rotation is going to be so important. You never know when you're going to lose a player. You never know when you're going to have to pull someone out just because, you know, just to be safe. Yeah, there is the COVID factor, of course. So I definitely think we're going to see a greater spread across the board. And I definitely think a lot of that is going to come from uh, the midfield. And then obviously we know who's going to grab a goal this year. The one and only Joe Hart with the overhead kick in the final minutes. Oh, of course. That (laughs) iconic moment, which people scream about for years. Interesting. Okay, very interesting. Right. In terms of how I see the season, I agree. I think I think it's going to be incredibly competitive this year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be competitive at both the top of the table and the bottom of the table. I think it will not be a runaway league. I might be wrong, of course. I think it will be very close. I think it will come maybe within a few points. Now, Liverpool fans, before you stab me in the throat and go oh you're a Man United fan that's why you think that no I do not think you're going to win the league this season and purely I'm purely basing that off what I've seen in you in pre-season and your competitive games you reek at the moment and it might change day one I might see you and think wow incredible Mm. you reek of complacency at the moment Arsenal have shown how teams can beat you if they sit back and defend well you can be counted now you'll come back at me with things like the Community Shield isn't a real trophy and it's only a trophy to the team that wins it, and that's absolutely fine. Nonetheless, you spout your prose, your rhetoric is that Klopp does not like to lose a single game. 
if he doesn't like to lose a single game and he didn't look like he was happy that he lost the community shield i think that speaks volumes so i think okay i'll break it down in a more so i'm going to ironclad this is what i think is going to happen and i will i I will uh you know reap the consequences if if and when that time comes i unfortunately i think manchester city are going to win the premier league guardiola is incredibly good at bouncing back if he does get Koulibaly in particular, I think that's a very dangerous back line. I can understand the argument that Aguero is aging and Jesus isn't necessarily prolific or he can be inconsistent, but I would say that they are such a well-oiled team at scoring as a unit. It doesn't matter who scores them. And when you've got the X factor, which is Kevin De Bruyne in your midfield, who, in my opinion, as much as it pains me with Pogba in my team, De Bruyne is the best, not only the best midfielder in the Premier League, he is the best midfielder in the world, in my opinion. He is incredible. He is a game changer. He is deadly. He can score them. He can set them up. He can control the midfield. He can dictate the play. He is scary to play against. And when he is on it, he is fierce. So, listen, I think it's first place Manchester City. I think it's second place Chelsea. Now, okay. I know it might be a little bit, not necessarily out there. I think it goes one of two ways with Chelsea. Otherwise, they're going to go, what? They're going to go either strength to strength, or they are going to struggle to harmonise, and then do a late push. That would be my thing. Because if you're if you're bringing in eight new players to start eleven who don't know how to play with each other, who have different backgrounds, different quality of leagues, it might take some time to adjust to each other. But I think. You know, I don't like Chelsea as a club because I don't think you should buy your way to the table just for the same way I don't like City. However, I will say I think that Frank Lampard is a good manager and I think it shows that he's a good manager. I know obviously I can go, ha ha, we finished above you on goal difference. But with the, with the transfer ban, the lack of depth and the players he had last season to get fourth, even though they were defensively shaky, good job, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And got to an FA Cup final, right? Good job. He looks like a good English manager, which we need for the game anyway. I think he, if anyone's going to have a run with Chelsea at the moment, he looks like a good shout. So I think him... Fair enough, I can see that. I can see that. Then I think Liverpool are going to finish in third. Yep. And I think it will just be a couple of points. These, By the way, these these I'm not talking about like Man City away from the pack. I'm talking about three points, six oh, points. Gonna be, yeah, very, very, very close. close. And then I think Man United will just creep into the top four. And I think that's very, very um, interchangeable. I think United mm. is still very much a project. I think yeah. it's still very much, you know, we've got Bruno, who's 26. We've got Pogba, who's 26, or just about to become 27. You know, if we, if we do get Sancho, definitely fourth. If we don't, maybe not. We've got, we've got young depth. We've got, Exciting players, but they're still young. They're still learning. You know, people talking about Mason Greenwood, like coming in and scoring. Like, he's still only eighteen. People got to remember he's very, very young players. I, I think Oli is trying to change the culture at United, and it takes a long time to do that. So that that would be my top four. I think anyone. I think Tottenham or Arsenal could um, to slip into top four. I, I saw some people think Arsenal might get top four, and I tell you what, Arteta yeah. does look like a dangerous manager. So I give it, but I just think. I personally just think top four is going to be such a surprise this season. I don't think it is going to be the usual bout of, like we're saying, you know, I don't think it may be Man United or Spurs or Arsenal. I think it may be a surprise personally. Could be Wolves. I could see Wolves. Yeah. But it sort, of, it, sort of, it sort of depends really. And 
you know, without fans, you have to put that factor in as well. The 12th mm. man is missing. How much does that impact these these smaller clubs or middle middle tier clubs who um, effectively rely on the 12th man to push to motivate them, push them over the line, in impassion yeah. them, whatever it may be. So we will see. It, it will be interesting. Now, in terms I mean, of the- sorry, just on the, on the point of the fans, I think it's going to make the FA Cup very interesting if we actually manage to get around to it because the small teams are used to not having these crowds. They're used to the silence. It's an advantage, right? Quiet. Exactly. Whereas, you know, the likes of Liverpool are used to having thousands of people behind them. And now, again, they're going to go to dead stadiums. Yeah, they normally perform well. But I definitely think it's going to be an advantage for the smaller teams come FA Cup time. I definitely think so. And I think there was a stat in terms of the Bundesliga that 50% more home teams were losing games because the fans weren't there or something like that. So... It is definitely an interesting... I think it's a great, uh, the great equaliser, as they mm. would call it. In terms of the bottom three for me, I, I'm going... I'm going... I think West Ham are going... Oh, sorry, I think West Brom are going to finish 20th. Yeah, okay. Not going to do anything which... I think they looked very close to bottling it coming up in the Championship. They nearly bottled it to Brentford. I think they're very uninspiring. And I think they're very good going forward, but very poor defensively. They look like a Nor- Nor- Norwich to me. I think Fulham, from what I've seen, crept up through the playoffs. Mm. They're going down, in my opinion, again. I think Crystal Palace will go down. Uh, They've been flirting with it for a Mm. while as well, right? Yeah, they're in the same category as Brighton and West Ham. I I was very much between Crystal Palace and Brighton. I think there's a lot of teams that could go down. I think it's going to be... I think there's a huge uh, like divide in quality there's in the Premier be a, League. Yeah, there's going to be a solid slash through the middle of this league, I think, where we're uh, going to have a yeah. good point difference between them. Like you say, those two those two halves are going to have serious yeah. battles, but it's going to be a clean, maybe not a clean half, but we're definitely going to have I know, think there'll be like, 11 I think there'll be it. like 10 points between uh, the top half and the bottom yeah. half, definitely. Do you know what I mean? All the time. Yeah. So, um, in terms of top goal scorer, I agree. I don't think we're going to see the heights of a 30-plus um, goal scorer. Maybe mm. a lot of people are arguing that Timo Werner might come in and you know do what Salah did and start banging them in like crazy. And he might do sure. that. I still think uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been so close to winning the Golden Boot. I think he will win it this season. I think he is a world-class player at yeah. a team which he needs better delivery at. And if he got that better delivery, he would bang them in. Just look at his goal against Liverpool in the Community Shield. Just absolute filth. So yeah, he, he is against Chelsea in the FA Cup final, he is fucking quality. Yeah, uh, yeah. For me, I think he will win uh, the Golden Boot. It depends where Arteta plays him. If he plays him a little bit more to the left, then maybe not. Now, I did also put down. I, you didn't include them, but I'll just say what I've written down. I did do Golden Gloves, and I think Edison mm-hmm. is going to win that because that's in line. With, I believe the City are going to win the league. Yeah, uh, and then I think Kevin De Bruyne will win Player of the Year. Is there anyone you think we should keep an eye on this season? Is there going to be a surprise player at all, do you think? A surprise player. James Rodriguez at Everton. Okay, okay. Because, and now most people go, well, that's not a surprise. It's James Rodriguez. Well, he's had a very bad couple of years, and I think this is his chance to redeem himself. And if he thrives under Ancelotti, he could fucking bang them in. He could Mm. set them up. He could bang them in. I would be interested to see how he gets on in the Premier League. In terms of any surprise outing, I think Leeds are going to quite comfortably stay up. Yep. I think they need to stay up for their fans. Their fans believe they are a Premier League team. I believe they are a Premier League team. They should be in the Premier League. They're part of its illustrious history. Let's try and keep them there. 
And then I think obviously we're going to see more of the same from Wolves. I actually think we're going to see Leicester do a lot worse than they did last season as well. Uh, I think Brendan Rodgers uh, had a really good start, but w- when the great equaliser of the uh, lockdown came in, they absolutely did one of the biggest bottle jobs I've ever seen. If you looked at those point totals, we were something like 15 points behind them and yeah. we finished above them. Yeah, And we had to beat them on the last day of the season. All they had to do was beat us on the last day of the season for Champions League and they couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, listen, I- I'm really excited for the Premier League. I think uh, you obviously... While other nation, maybe other national leagues or uh, international leagues, European leagues haven't had the money to spend. Obviously, the Premier League is so mm. rich in terms of revenue that we've been able to bring in such talent. I think so many high quality players have been brought into the Premier League this season. I think we're definitely going to see a super competitive league. At least I fucking hope we are, because our performance in Europe last season as mm. a nation was dreadful. Yeah, but I, th- I think we're going to see the most connected season as well from a fan's perspective because I mean the amount of you know it used to be the pub culture it used to be you know having Sky Sports or whatever but now YouTube and the lockdown is equalizing that like we've been saying and I think we're going to see fans getting along a lot more having that interaction it's going to be a faster pace I think this is going to be a very connected season even though it's going to be weird not having the fans in the stadium and that mm-hmm. I definitely think you know as much as people say Twitter's dead I think it's going to burst back into life when the Premier League comes about, you know, Reddit's going to pop off, uh, Twitch, everything. I think we're, a lot of people are going to come together and we're going to start having bigger conversations about football. I know we talk about football non-stop, but I definitely think this year is going to be the most connected and, you know, people are going to be seeking out the entertainment factor of it and YouTube and all of that. So I think it's going to be a very fun season, even from an outside perspective, from a casual perspective, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I think we need it anyway, right? I think that's fundamentally what it is. Oh, yeah. People it's need the, the great escape. catharsis, isn't you know, it? Pe- people need a window out of the, the bubble of their life at the moment in the pandemic, and I think this definitely is going to offer that. And I know that I felt better, even though obviously I understand that players are putting themselves at risk when the Premier League was back because it gave me something to watch. You know, we missed out on a summer of promise of Euros and Olympics. We got neither of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And for people that love sports, those are fantastic times, right? Now, we might get them next year, we might get them the year after, it doesn't matter, but these yeah. brief, you know, a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, just watch the football, something to chat about, something to theorise about, or do you think they're going to bottle it? Oh, who do you think is going to get to the Champions League final? It's a great conversation starter. It's something to talk about other than the, the mundanity or um, the depressing nature of the pandemic. It sort of takes your mind off it. And, it's, and that's why it's great that films are are coming back as well and we're going to the cinema and stuff because people can escape they can get out but also that films are being new films are now deciding oh, hey we're going to go streaming because people need stuff because otherwise they're going to go insane 100%. you know so I, i'm happy to see the sport back and you know with the fans not great ideally would love for fans yeah. to be there but we've got to we've got to play it safe 100 exactly. especially with this normalization of zoom calls and you know whatsapp chats like it's just the normal now to set up a laptop with your mate on it and you watch a game together or you watch a movie together. oh yeah but definitely see that we're going to be enjoying you know me and you never get to watch games together maybe this year we'll be watching more games well, together. May, maybe we will maybe as part of the podcast we'll make an effort to watch one game together each, whether it's one week we do a Spurs game, one one week we do another. Well, maybe, maybe not a Spurs game. You know my theory. Well, we mine. definitely have to watch Spurs United <laughs> together. Is is yeah, that's, that's non-negotiable, unfortunately. It's never um, an enjoyable experience for me. No, well, you well, you got a draw and a loss to us this season, but oh, we draw, thanks. Yeah, well, <laughs> listen, you should have won that game. We got a very dodgy. You should have. I know that. I know we should have. Yeah. 
but you know Manchester United play. strike again. Um, now uh, we're. we're we sort of we've spoken about our season predictions. They're out there on the line for us, guys. So thank you, thank you for listening to them. If you hate them, uh, please, we'll find some way for you to let us know because you know everyone's yeah, got an I'll opinion. Just, Everybody, I'll give you like, Harley's WhatsApp. You yeah, opinion, opinions are like ourselves. Everyone's got one, right? And I'm sure people are going to tell me why Wolves are going to win the Premier League and and why Liverpool are definitely going to retain the Premier League and all this sort of stuff. And, and they may do. Who knows? That's that's the 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 fun of it all, the ebb and flow of it all. That's why we love football so much, because it's so unpredictable. I think in terms of the podcast, that's the major, major talking points. We're going to talk about two things now. We're going to talk about a brace showcase, which I'm briefly going to tell you what that is again. So a brace showcase yeah, is an idea give, give that was proposed to me. So in the Premier League, it is more common to score brace than it is to score a hat-trick, right? Okay. And we're brace yourselves, which is a play on a, a brace, which is a footballer scoring two goals, and also an impact thing of a man on or a ball or whatever it may be. Or brace yourself for heartbreak, brace yourself for joy. But a brace showcase, I think, would be a nice little spotlighty thing where any player that scores a brace over the Premier League weekend, we would do a little mm-hmm. bit of a showcase on them. And in the sense of we would talk about uh, how prolific they are, how important the goals were. Uh, how often they score, that sort of thing. So say, for example, this weekend, Aubameyang goes and scores a brace. We'll go and do a little showcase and talk about Aubameyang, his history, how many goals he scored, that sort of thing. And it's just sort okay. of like an eligibility thing into talking about different players so that we don't just end up talking about, um, say, for example, uh, Jay Rodriguez scores a brace for Burnley. We talk about Jay Rodriguez because we're mm. not going to be talking about Jay Rodriguez every week because I can promise you he ain't scoring a brace every week. So, so give me the definition again. You're saying it's two goals. Two goals, which, which is the brace. So mm-hmm. if any, any player that scores two goals, if none score, we won't do a brace uh, showcase that week. If it's just one goal across the board, that's it. It's just every now and then as like a little... Not yeah, no, behind it. They're, they're not validated by us, <laughs> but, you know, like... A, we'll we know. They must be listening into this. They must want to know. Well, no, I promise you, City will score a brace in their first game. <laughs> oh, 100%. You know, so, you know, I'm sure Sterling will get two or whatever, and it will pain me. If the first brace showcase is Raheem Sterling... <laughs> Kill me now. Pass me the gun. I'll do it myself. Yeah, you know? I'll, I'll just I'll send you all these England stats. And <laughs> well, he ends. Well, he has scored a hat trick for England actually, but only he has. Um, so that won't be this week, guys. That will be after the first weekend of the Premier League, and we've, we've gone and looked at the results and decided who we're going to talk about. Especially if there's more than one brace. So now, what Ian and I are going to do is we're going to go through this weekend's fixtures. And we're going to predict what we think the scoreline is going to be. We don't have to worry about goal scorers and who okay. we think is going to win. It's as simple right. as that. So our first game up, Ian, is Fulham versus Arsenal. Now, for me, I'll go first on this one. You go first on the next one. That's how we're doing, yeah? All right, yeah, yeah. Right, so Fulham versus Arsenal, I think, is going to be a, a hammering. I think Arsenal are going to absolutely batter them. I think it's going to be like 4-1 Arsenal is my prediction. See, I was going to write yours down as you give them to me. Don't worry. Uh, I was going to say, first game in, Arsenal are going to be very lackadaisical. I think it's 2 1 Arsenal. 2 1 Arsenal. You still agree yeah. with an Arsenal win, though. So it's an both, Arsenal win. We're both on the same page there. But they're going to be very complacent in that first game, I think. I don't think they're going to be warmed up. With your two goals, I assume it's going to be the Obama Yang brace then. <laughs> right. Um, now, if, if people don't know, uh, the first game scheduled for Burnley was Manchester United. That's being postponed because of United's involvement in European football. So th- that will be paid at the tail end of the season or where it can be fitted in. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Southampton. 
now you get to go first on this one, so by all means, shoot that. away. Playing strong out in from Southampton, 2 0 win. Uh, I would be inclined to agree with that. I think um, I think it could even be 3 0. Yeah, I, could, I, didn't, I just don't know about Southampton's attacking ability. Like, I, we know they're strong. Da, I, but... I think Danny Ings, if he carries on the same form that he had last season, deadly. I'm not saying he's mm. going to score a hat trick, but I don't know. I, I think Palace are so uninspired whenever yeah. I watch them play. And also, well, maybe that's harsh to Palace and Palace fans. I think they want to win. I just think they're just so unlucky. They can't win, or you know, you know, they go on like Palace go on these crazy runs when they lose like eight games in a row, and you're like, man, Palace can't catch a fucking yeah, break, and they, then they beat like Chelsea two 0 and you're like, whoa, hang on, what a turnaround, you know, or they're they're terrible, and then they beat Man City three two, and and Andres Townsend scores that absolute worldy volley from outside the box. They're, they're a very strange team, Crystal Palace. They are. They're definitely a team of manifestation. If they're going to go out and lose, they're going to go out and lose. Like it's yeah. all in their. They're very much in their heads, and I think they really get into those runs. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It's a shame to see, and I think it comes from the fans as well. It's a shame, but hey, it happens. I definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's. They're definitely a mentally weak team. Um, but we we will see. I I, I think they're going to go down personally this season. But mm. let let's see how the first weekend goes. Right. So next game is Liverpool versus. Sorry, hold up, hold up, Harley. My cat's oh. coming to the room. He's making no, a lot of noise. Let's see if he's going to be quiet. No, he's just going to make noise. Can you hear it your side? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Rudy, go outside. Come. All right. Sorry. Let's go. No worries. <laughs> right. Uh, next game is Liverpool versus Leeds. Great. This is my pick of the weekend because Leeds back in against Liverpool, big team, history team. Going to be lots of fun. I think Le Liverpool are going to smash him like 5-2. That's what I think is going to happen. 5-2 is what I'm going for. I'm, I'm I know going... I know. you're looking at me in shock there, but I think they're going to get like a little bit of a rude awakening week one and then they're going to dig in. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, see, I, I think I think Liverpool are going to come out strong and they're going to go, they're going to put a few goals away and then Leeds are going to rattle them and I'm going to put it at three two to Liverpool. Three two to Liverpool. And that okay. may be that may be a three nil with Liverpool kicking it off and then Leeds getting annoyed and coming back, but I definitely think Leeds are going to kick back. Okay, interesting stuff. Now, West Ham versus Newcastle, a very, very uninspiring fixture for me. I won't lie to you. Uh, I'm going for a flat nil-nil there. You reckon? Or yeah. draw. Okay. Yeah. Or draw. No brace showcase coming that way. I'll tell you that right now. I think it could be quite high scoring for one side. You reckon so? I think it could be something like 4-2 to West Ham or something like that. But I'm going to go 4-2 for Newcastle because I think Callum Wilson is going to have something to prove. Yep. Uh, Fraser is going to have something to prove. West Ham look quite uninspired, uh, especially if they lose Declan Rice, which they could do this week to Chelsea. Not saying he's like the heart of their, their midfield, but what I mean is that he could, his absence could allow them defensively to be quite open. Now, no. the following game is now West Brom versus Leicester. This is what I hate about teams like West Brom. I'm so sorry any West Brom fans that ever listen to this, but I hate seeing like boring football. And mm. now they're going to say, well, in the championship, we've been playing with these Brazilian guys. I promise you, those guys who've had the space and the flair to do what they want in the championship will not get it in the Premier League. 
that's not going to happen and they might get a little bit of a run like Norwich did and they might go on like five wins and everyone's like oh my god but they yeah, will yeah. capitulate Norwich capitulated and they beat Man City 3-1 so you know let's not get ahead of ourselves so I'm thinking Leicester are going to win 3-1 that's what I think is going to happen okay I hmm, again I think it's going to I think it's going to be another again I think it's going to be another boring I think I think it's a 1-0 Leicester off the bat I, don't, I, I think it's going to be an early goal as well and then we're going to sit there for the next you know 70 minutes Interesting. I could see it going that way. It depends how if Jamie Vardy's going to play, if he's going to play well, this sort of stuff. Because obviously he is quite fast for a man his age. Could do a lot of yeah, damage true, against a defensive true. line like West Brom's. Um, now, Tottenham Hotspur versus Everton. Not the easiest first game of the season. I remember a Christmas where you spanked them like 5-2. Yeah. I was up in yeah. Deal with my partner's family and I was like, oh my God, Tottenham are absolutely blasting these guys yeah. but Mourinho Ancelotti very different styles um, are Everton going to be invigorated are Spurs going to dig in is Kane going to be like by the way bitches I'm back here's the goals because <laughs> he started getting there towards the end of last he season did, he started he banging them in again so my, my heart's saying it's going to be a Desmond it's going to be a 2-2 for me 2-2 two -two. Desmond 2-2 two -two. I could very much see that being a 2-2 two -two, I won't lie to you now Harry Kane Brace, mm. I would like to talk about no, Harry Kane because yeah, I do rate, I do rate Harry Kane quite highly. Now, okay, so that's yours. I'm thinking you could lose this game. I felt like you were going to say that. <laughs> I think you could lose this game. I think you could lose this game like one nil or something like that. It is. It's um, going to be a horrible game either way. It's not going to be an enjoyable first week back. I can guarantee it. For both Everton and Spurs, we're not going to have a fun week. But I'm going to go one one. Is what I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. I, I I agree. I think I think there's a high high chance statistically it it could be a draw. Um, now these games aren't included in this weekend's, uh, but I'm briefly going to bring them up because they are technically part of game week two, but they are the part of game week one, but not really because it is part of game week two. But because they're admitted, you've got Manchester City versus Wolves, but Wolves are at home at the Molyneux, and then you've got uh, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. So first we're going to do City, and you're going to tell me... Uh, no, I'm, sorry, first we're going to do City, and I'm going to say what I think the results are, and then you'll do first on United. So I think City are going to win 2-1 versus Wolves. Guardiola's going to come out the gates pretty strong. Yeah, I think... Ooh. I want a little upset at the start. I think I'm going 2-1 Wolves. I want to see it. 2-1 Wolves. Yeah, I'll, I want to see Now it. listen, I never said I didn't want to see that. I'd love to see that <laughs> and joke that into my veins. But I know City, and often when I want them to lose, they don't. Yeah. So, but again, I think just that first game of the season, Man City are going to come with complacency, and I think Wolves are going to come with energy, and it's something that Man City struggle with. So that's what that's that's my feeling on that one. Okay, that's fair enough. I I can see the argument for that definitely. Now, my team, Manchester United. Man United would love three points at the start of the season. They probably desperately need it. What do you think it's going to be? It's Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. See, I think you're going to look at Crystal Palace and go, easy win right there. And you're going to shoot yourself in the foot straight out the bat. But I do think you're going to pull the win. I'm going to go with a 3-1 to Man United. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad in your confidence <laughs> on that. I'm not so convinced. I know United. 
we actually lost to Palace at home last season 2-1 and Patrick Van Arnholt scored the winner against us so listen I like United I rarely bet on United uh, I rarely want to say United will win however I think we will win 3-0 is what I think we're going to win so you reckon 3-1 yeah yeah I think Crystal Palace and I reckon 3-0 and I think we might see a Jaden Sancho brace. And I'm only saying that, and I might be wrong, because I can only see the notifications on my, on my phone, but apparently Manchester United have put a bid in for Jaden Sancho this evening. There we go. So we shall see. Will he be game ready in a week? Yeah, well, no, because we, we play on the 19th. Oh, OK, I see, I see. So we we have leeway on when he can arrive. Oh, look at all those uh, look at all those cards lining up for you. Oh, already. I know United paid everyone off. You know, oh, we know it's Classic. obviously because we, we we got further in Europe than other teams, so that's why. Um, but oh, yeah, there's, still, there's like classic cool United head right there. <laughs> there's, no, there's no brag there. We lost to Sevilla in the second final. No brag. You're humble yourself. There we go. <laughs> um, Okay, cool. So it'll be interesting to see where we're going forward. What we will, we'll, when we're off podcast, we sort of decide, decide a uh, scoring system. So you get more points if you get the actual scoreline right, or and you get less points if you uh, if you get the win right, but you still get points and all that sort of stuff. And we'll do like a head to head. Now, um, um, so glad to be in competition with you because the previous ones we've done, you've just absolutely slaughtered me. <laughs> well, no, so I'm so glad to be in this situation. I play super six, and I am dreadful at it. So <laughs> okay, I rarely get scorelines right. <laughs> I'm going to say that now. Now, going forward, it will Ian and I will probably be always be the constant on the podcast, but there may be other people that will join us, other football fans, other football friends who are into their respective clubs. And when we do that, we'll focus on their clubs and sort of why they love it and that sort of stuff. And we will take it as it comes. But at the moment, the structure of the podcast going forward will now be um, discussion of uh, the, uh, the weekend's games, the head-to-heads, the brace showcase, and anything that we sort of it comes up in the weeks in terms of football. For the next, or maybe we're, we're planning to do one podcast a week. For the next four weeks, we will be talking about transfers as and when they come in. It won't be as um, convoluted or compressed as we've done today because we will be reacting to transfers that have probably just happened in the last couple of days or are going to happen. Uh, and then we might do a deadline day special. We're going to sort of try and speak about logistics of that because Ian has obligations. And while I don't right now, I may do then. So we will see but we appreciate you guys listening today listen to us chat the shit um any constructive criticism is welcome any ideas for formatting please let us know and i think you know we're just very grateful Ian, for anyone that's taken the time to get if if, if this goes out where it's live cut they've been listening for a while <laughs> that's all i'm saying yeah I, I i really hope you're going to do some editing on your part even cut this bit out right now yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun um and i'm sure we're going to figure this stuff out as we go we're just two football fans who are stuck in lockdown and we want to talk to one another and we want to talk to our other mates about football and we just thought it might be interesting for other people to hear it. Another another thing to get your teeth stuck into is we will go into this football madness over the next couple of weeks. So exactly. hopefully it's enjoyable. That's all we're asking for. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we will put everything into it because we love our clubs and there will be banter. The banter train hasn't been able to leave the station yet because no one's lost to anyone yet. So just give it, it a couple it was, of weeks. It was all and very technical. Then we'll be, technical. Then, we'll, technical be, we'll, be ribbing, we'll be coming in. We'll be like, hey, what a terrible result for you last Indeed. night. Indeed. That's where you'll hear even less from me than you have on this podcast. <laughs> there will be no words. Look, Mourinho might do a madness. If there's any guy, he might not do well in the Premier League for you, but there is a chance he could win you a trophy and that's bottom line what you've got to think but if we can put anything 
in our very, very, very sparse trophy <laughs> cabinet. I will take it. Yeah, I bet you would. Ten, it wasn't been 12 years, Jesus We don't Christ. need to do numbers. We've done the technical. <laughs> no, listen, United you know haven't won the Premier League in seven years, so we're, we're, we're not. I mean, we, oh, we, we my, did the win. My heart bleeds we won a We won a... Europa League like three years ago. I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to get the itch. You know, oh, yeah. they talk about seven year itch. <laughs> Fuck me, you're dead, mate. So you know, um, yeah. Look, it's been a good, uh, a lot of good fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it, and uh, we'll go away. We'll think about the formatting, and we'll see you next time. I guess. Yeah, we'll see you then. Peace.